World's Finest Podcast, Episode 97. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. Sir, how you doing? Uh, pretty well, I sh- uh, except for my left arm. But oh, what's uh, going on with your left arm? I got a tattoo today. So. Holy shit! Is that your second, right? Yeah. What'd you get this time? Uh, I got a song lyric, like down my entire inner left forearm. Nice. Uh, it's uh, dodging bullets is easier when you don't believe in fate. <laughs> cool. But yeah. cool. What's what's that from? Uh, band called Haste the Day. They're mm-hmm. actually they're actually a Christian like metal band, metalcore band, which is mm-hmm. I know that's a little ironic. Uh, a little, <laughs> but but that's just how awesome I think that song is. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you planning on getting any more, or uh, is that oh, it for now? Yeah, I'm gonna get more just uh, somewhere down the line, maybe in March. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, then I uh, my girlfriend and I got a dog, uh, oh, a, a beagle. Got him from a rescue shelter, and uh, he's an adult dog. He's five years old. He's a sweetheart. He's house trained already, and he's neutered, and it's all good. He's he basically just lays around and does nothing. He's my kind of dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, nothing really like that going on with me. So I've I don't think I have anything to report. Um, just that uh, you know, over here in Chicago, I don't know if it's making the news elsewhere. Like, we're going to get hit with a blizzard between tonight, more specifically Tuesday afternoon, and then Wednesday. We're supposed to get between, I think, like, some some reports set up to two feet, but now it's looking like 18 inches of snow. But with the drift, they're talking like a couple of feet. So I'm all excited because I no longer, I, I sold my car on New Year's Day because I literally live just a few blocks from my work. Mm-hmm. So I don't need it anymore. So I'm all excited. I don't have to worry about shoveling a car out. Is it going to get ticketed? Is it going to get plowed in? Is it going to get stuck in the snow? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I'm not looking forward to is the uh, is is the high winds. They're saying like up to 60 mile per hour winds Ooh, near Lake Jesus. Michigan. And I live right near Lake Michigan now. Um, when I was leaving work today and I was walking over to the gym... Um, I was getting pushed around, you know, and I'm not exactly a small guy. And the winds were literally blowing right in my face and really kicking me back. So basically, um, you would have, if it was me, or if it, you know, if it was me out there, I'd be like <laughs> kind of a kite. Yeah, we'd have to put a string around you and hold you down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I can't wait. I really can't wait to, to to just see all this snow. I think it's the first time I've anticipated eagerly i should say anticipated snow since i was like a kid you know (laughs) um i also can't wait to see all my chicago-based facebook friends to be all like oh my god snow as if they've never seen fucking snow before For real it's like you live in chicago this happens you know (laughs) but i'm sorry what were you gonna say oh i was uh gonna say i had i've had plenty enough experience with snow this this winter i'm i'm I, I love the winter. I absolutely do. It's my favorite season of the year uh, because I love cold weather. I don't get enough of it. 
But that blizzard that swept through here a couple weeks ago just is like, okay, I, I can wait till next year. For, for <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Getting away from the weather, um, we should talk about the big news about the third Nolan Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we have some emails that talk about it. Um, so when we get to those emails, um, or when we get to the email section, if we don't read your email, just know it's because we already covered it. Yeah, we're addressing um, it right so, now. Right, yeah, so don't feel snubbed if, if your email's not read, or if part of your email is chopped out, because, again, we're covering it right now. But, of course, we've got, um, what are the two actors' names? I just forgot the guy's name. Tom Hardy. Right, and we already knew he was cast. He's been cast for a long time. Mm-hmm. We just didn't know he was going to play. And, of course, James, who's he playing? He is playing Bane. Yes. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting to see that Nolan's going with Bane, a character who, um, it might have been I, who called Bane radioactive on an episode of Earth Student at the show when we were talking about, uh, which one was it that he was in with Poison Ivy? Oh, Batman and Robin? Batman and Robin, that's it, yeah. You know, it, it's interesting that he's going to try to bring the character back, but uh, having seen uh, the trailer, or a clip from that movie, I think it's called Bronson, uh, where, where uh, what's the guy's name again, Hardy? Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Um, he's all beefed up and looks like a big-time, like, badass fighter dude. You know, after I saw that clip, I'm like, okay, I could definitely see this guy playing Bane. Definitely can. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to point something out to you guys. I've... Oh, no, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. This is not going to get edited out. This is going to stay in. Shane and I, we've been together, you know, what, uh, about eight months now, right? Right. Um, I've been over at Shana's place many a nights during these eight months. We've been living together for, hey, it's a month today. Happy anniversary, love. Um, never, never in that, in, that, in that span has either of Shana's cats played with any of the toys that are laying around for them. You know, the little the little toys you get cats, you know, bells and things like that. All of a sudden, I start trying to record this episode of WFP, and one of the cats decides to start to play with one of the noisy toys. <laughs> <laughs> so if you hear a little ball rolling around on the floor and a little bell going on, that's all it is. I told you guys last time, I, I, I got cats now, so you just kind of have to put up with that, but I just want to let you know what that noise was. <laughs> no, don't get it. Pets no, making cameos on podcasts is like the new thing for Earth 2.net podcasts right now. <laughs> well, I didn't know if anybody had caught those because like there was, you know, those the meow at the end of the last episode of WFP, but the clip was so short, you know, I didn't know if anybody, okay, you know how you're, you're getting to the end of an, of, you know, we're doing our final spiel. Anybody looks down at their iPod, they go, okay, there's only, let's say 45 seconds left. They know it's just the theme music after I'm done doing the spiel, right? But if they see there's a minute left, then they know there's a little clip. Well, th- at the end of the last episode, that clip was only a second long, so I didn't know if anybody actually heard it. And at the end of the last episode of Bigger on the Inside, it happened again. It was a different meow. Same cat, but different meow. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah, cats are making cameos. I mean, we've had dogs make cameos before, so it's, 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 it's all fine. It's all good. Um, but where were we? Oh, hey, that's a great transition, isn't it? From cats to Catwoman. Ha! Ah, ah. <laughs> See what I did there? I'm a clever boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, um, no, but before we get back to Cat, well, before we get to Catwoman, I really just want to say that I really think uh, this this actor who's playing Bane um, is going to do a bang up job. Um, go look for any of the clips from Bronson, 
and uh, there, there's this one clip where he's just beating the hell out of a whole bunch of guys. And when you see that, you're just going to go, oh, my God, that's Bane right there. Um, what do you think about that casting? Are you familiar with him as an actor? Have you seen Bronson or anything? As far as I know, I've never seen him in anything because I still haven't seen Inception yet, which I really need to do. Uh, but I am obviously very excited about this news. Um, mm. I think that, thankfully, because that hideous rendition of Bane was only in the the Schumacher movie for really, like, what, five total minutes of screen time? That yeah, something like that. that people probably, the, the vast amount, or the vast majority of the general public is not going to remember mm-hmm. that as Bane, and now we're actually going to get an accurate representation of him as, you know, the, the brilliant assassin. Mm-hmm. So I, I, am, I am so fucking psyched for that. And the more I think about it, I think I... I really feel that they can get rid of the venom aspect. I don't think you need the drug. I think you can just say he's a big, beefy dude. Mm -hmm. There's no need to say that he's a pipsqueak that is on some super steroid and has all these cables jacked into him. That gets a little too sci-fi. You don't need that, I feel. What about you? What if, if they were to cut out that aspect of Bane, what would, would you be mad? Because again, you're a Bane fan. No, I wouldn't. I, I I may have said this before when we've discussed this on a couple of previous WFP episodes, but I totally agree with you. I think they can definitely get rid of the tubes and the venom and all that shit, and still have you know the the brilliant master assassin character. And I'll tell you what: if you go watch a Star Trek Nemesis, where he plays the clone of Jean Luc Picard, and then again, I haven't seen the movie Bronson, but then you go watch Bronson. My understanding is if you see those back-to-back, you get a good grasp of what he'll do to Bane. You watch the Star Trek movie, he's a mastermind. You watch Bronson, you see him as the fighter. Then just imagine those two roles melded together, and you've got him. You've got Bane right there. Um, Honestly, I'd even be happy if he never even put on the luchador mask. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because Nolan's really staying away from that. I mean, who are the only two people who have dressed up in costume so far? Well, okay, I guess the Joker did have his makeup. I forgot it wasn't, like, burnt into his skin like it was in the in the Burton movie. And he had the purple suit, sort of. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, okay, let me, re- let me, let me rephrase that question. There's only been two characters that have worn masks, right? Right. That being Scarecrow and Batman. And I don't think you need to have the characters wear masks. Um, you know, Bane, yeah, it's an iconic image, the luchador mask, but I don't think you need it. I don't think you need that fanboy service. Um, or the fanboy fan service, whatever, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you're using that character. I really, I, that's how I really feel. Um, so, okay, you know, get, getting back to that transition I tried making five minutes ago, um, <laughs> what do you feel about Anne Hathaway as, now they're just saying Selena Kyle, let's be clear about that. In the press release, I do not believe they ever say Catwoman, they just say Selena Kyle. Um, I think, I want to say uh, our very active forumite uh, Jack Fetch posted some news where somebody tried to get a confirmation that Catwoman would actually be there, not just Selena Kyle, but mm. apparently the, whoever the reporter was that was trying to get it, get this information couldn't get the information because whoever he was talking to would get fired if mm-hmm. they, if they released mm-hmm. that information. So yeah. uh, we don't know yet. But regardless, I've only seen Anne Hathaway in the Tim Burton, Allison 
uh, Wonderland movie. So oh, okay, yeah. that's really all I know her from. I, so I can't. I don't really have a great grasp on her career. Okay. But I've I've learned to trust uh, Christopher Nolan and his casting decisions. Yeah. So hopefully this one will, will, you know, uh, turn out to be a good uh, decision too. You know, I, I'm right there with you. Um, I trust him. Um, I've seen her in more things than you. I did see her in Alice in Wonderland. I forgot she was in that, though. I don't even remember what character she plays. She was the White Queen. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Um, but I've seen her in Brokeback Mountain. I think she's excellent in there. Um, I saw her in Get Smart. I thought she was wonderful in that. I still need to see that. That's the one with The Rock, right? Yeah, The Rock is I, awesome I can't believe that. I haven't seen that yet. I, I am telling you guys, you know, I grew up watching reruns of the Get Smart program. As did so I. So I was a fan of the TV show going into that movie, and honestly, you know, knowing how remakes and adaptations, you know, sometimes, most of the time, honestly, suck, my expectations weren't high. But I'm like, I have to see this. As a fan of the program, I have to see this movie. And I was very, very pleasantly surprised. Everybody played their role well. And, yeah, Anne Hathaway plays a sort of jokey character, but her character's actually a little more serious. But she does get some jokes in there, you know? But, you know, I, I, see, a, I see some range in her from that role. And, again, seeing her in Brokeback Mountain, I see some range there. You know, if all you've seen of her are her princess movies, like, what, what did she do, like the Princess Diaries and stuff like that? If, if, if all you've seen her is in, like, those things, yeah, you're going to kind of go, oh, I don't know. But check out these other movies that um, specifically Brokeback Mountain. Um, and, and I think you'll see that she can really do drama. Um, now if she's going to play Catwoman, I don't know, I don't know where I was going to go with that. Um, cause I'm just, I'm just really hoping they just have her play Selena and not Catwoman. You know, I don't know if she can do this super heroic side, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, but no, it's, it's coming together, and I'm really excited. Really excited. Oh, and we should also mention um, the Superman movie has been cast. We have a Superman. Um, uh, I actually haven't been following that, so I don't know who Oh, it is. yeah, I don't know his name. Let me pull it up real quick. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything. My understanding is he's from the, tu the Tudors or the Tudors or whatever it's called. Um, hang on a second. It's going to Superman Man of Steel thread over at the Earth2.net forums. And, uh... Um, Click the link, folks. Join him. <laughs> yes. His name is Henry Cavill. Cavill. C-A-V-I-L-L. Um, he's a Brit. So, he's a genuine British person. You know? <laughs> so, uh... So, yeah. So, so there we go. I mean, I, I can't comment about him at all. I really do not think I've seen him in anything. Um, but, you know, it's... It's, again, Nolan's overseeing that project. So, I'm gonna trust him. I definitely am. Um, is that it, or should we get the email? Uh, before we get into the emails, I think we should mention uh, the passing of Boyd Kirkland, who was uh, a director for Batman the Animated Series. Uh, I, I believe he wrote several episodes. Um, but I, that I don't know, but he definitely directed a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I felt we should mention that. You know, Our thoughts go out to his family. I, be mm -hmm. I believe it was cancer. I, I think somebody mentioned that on the forums, but I do not know for certain. Yeah, the only thing I remember seeing is that he was w supposedly waiting for a lung transplant and passed before, obviously, they could get him one. So, yeah, very, very sad news. Sorry to end all that on a, a low <laughs> note, but uh, yeah. I guess we'll jump into the emails here. First one is from Cole, who writes, Dear gentlemen, 
I've been listening back to earlier episodes of WFP, and when I heard the discussion of who could replace Heath Ledger, I thought about one person, the actor who plays the Joker on the web series The Joker Blogs. I mean, the similarities are so close, it's scary. I actually don't know what that is, so I have no thoughts there. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I have to adamantly refute that. I mean, if you're going to replace Heath Ledger, I think you should, you know... <sighs> You shouldn't get some just amateur actor from some blog. Um, you know, that would be like saying, you know, t Tom DJ from Better in the Dark does a pretty creepy Joker voice. You know, that, that would be like saying, you know, cast Tom because he can do the voice. And honestly, you, there's just no need to bring the character back anyways. Everybody's like, we got to bring the Joker back. Why? Nolan said what he needed to say with the Joker. I mean, it's sad that Heath Ledger died. Yeah, it's sad that there there's no chance to bring his version of the Joker back. But we don't need to. He made his point with the Joker. Let's move on. Let's look at what he can do with Bane. And let's look at what he can do with Catwoman. You know, and if they continue in this same Bat universe beyond Nolan, you know, let's not bring the Joker back. You know, let, let's see what they can do with the Riddler and uh, the Huntress. And, hell, the KG Beast, you know? <laughs> Mad Hatter! Yeah, Mad Hatter. Slade. Um, all these other... I mean, there are so many characters they could bring in to this real-world version of Batman that we don't... Deadshot. Go Deadshot, thank you. I was trying to think of him, and I couldn't. That's when I actually said KG Beast. I was, <laughs> I was, I was mugging for time trying to think of Deadshot. Um, you know, there are so many characters that they can bring in. We don't need to keep going back to the Joker well. We just don't. I'm sorry if that comes off as being really harsh, but I just, I just, I, we just, we just don't need it. We just don't. I'm sorry. Uh, one request: please don't bring in the Clock King. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> no, I didn't mention him, so you know, it wasn't in my plan. Well, you know, I, yeah. I had to just add some emphasis there. Um, oh, okay. okay. Number two, regarding my Red X theory, on that X is just a manifestation of Robin Psyche. Who's to say Slade never met Trigon somehow before he died? It's a stretch, but still, it's semi-plausible. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, yeah. I guess he means that he made a deal with him before he was killed by Terra? Yeah, I think I might have actually hinted at that in one of the shows, because how else would Slade have gotten that ring that he used to survive... Oh, I remember saying something about a ring. Like, he knew he was going to die and meet Trigon or something. I don't remember. I, really I know what you're talking about, and it was a great yeah. theory. I just wish I could yeah. remember the ins and outs of it. Okay. Yeah. So, someone, if they're so inclined, go back and listen to, to when I made mention of that, and then remind me of what I said. Do this, my minions! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what he said. <laughs> yeah. Um, and number three, when are you guys going to do the Dark Knight? Anyway, that's all I have as they see an Ian Land, Pip Pip Cheerio, and all that rot. <laughs> well, well, no promises. Absolutely no promises. But the plan is to release the Dark Knight episode of Earth 2 at the show the same week that World's Finest Podcast 100 goes up, which would be the week of March 16th. Again, no promises. James, Ian, and myself have been talking about when we can sit down and record it. It looks like is is pretty much if I just name a date, we're good to go, right? I think yeah. that's where we are right now. Yeah, with me, I can I can request a day off. I just need advance notice. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to be recording that very soon. And then, like I said, hopefully releasing it the week of March 16th. 
Um, but please don't hold me to that, guys. Please, because, you know, delays happen sometimes. <laughs> Life happens. Yep. So, yeah. All right. Next one is from Aaron, who writes, Dead Reckoning is probably in my top ten episodes of the DCAU. I really like the fact that the Trinity were shown to be friends that could casually converse with each other, uh, rather than just friendly co-workers like in the early episodes of Justice League. Also, we get to see the amazing fighting prowess of all three of them in Gorilla City, notably Batman, who was able to take down multiple bad guys with a single kick. Hmm. I found it very amusing how you guys were seriously concerned over the scientific accuracy of a, ma- a machine that magically turns people into apes. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm just tired of the whole break it and it fixes things. Yeah. You know, th- that's all it was. I mean, you've got a very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, just, when you break something, that doesn't undo it. It just that's not how things work. Uh, so it just gets a little frustrating sometimes. That's all. Next one is from Brian, who writes, Hi, Mike and James. In regards to if Question was kicked out of the league, well, we also see Huntress in Grudge Match, so that doesn't necessarily mean Question wasn't kicked out. We also see him in Destroyer, but I doubt the league would have turned away his help in battling the forces of Apocalypse just because he wasn't an official member. So much like the question of who is under the Flash's mask and Speed Demons, this mystery, could, too, could go either way, really. And in Flash and Substance, I can buy the CD cutting the disco ball down for the very reason Mike mentioned. The potential velocity of the CD could have uh, been thrown uh, by the Flash is what makes it uh, plausible to me. I'd be less inclined to believe it if it were thrown by a normal human such as Batman or Green Arrow. Keep up the great work. uh, I'm sad the show is nearing the end, but I'm looking forward to enjoying each and every minute of the final episodes of WFP. Um, Regarding the status of the question and the Huntress, um, I think that's going to come up later on in this episode, in uh, Grudge Match, because I think it's pretty much addressed in there, where they're both standing, if they're with the League or not, but we'll, we'll save it for that episode. Um, what was the second point in the email? Oh, the throwing the CD, cutting down the, the disco ball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, that, that, that works for me. That's just what I think it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna... So thanks for backing me up, I guess, you know? <laughs> I'm going to keep my original thoughts that it's ridiculous, but okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, next one is from Michael, who writes, I'm just curious as to what you would rate each series, i.e. Batman the Animated Series, Superman, Justice League, etc. What is your favorite? I think we'll hold that until, what is it, episode... 100. 100. Yeah, yeah. it is. Th- definitely. I mean, the, the, the plan is right now, guys, you know, episode 98... Uh, we're reviewing three more episodes of Justice League Unlimited. Episode 99, we're looking back at um, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And then episode 100 is a look back at all of everything we've covered um, in the course of WFP. So not just looking back at the DCAU, but also looking back at World's Finest Podcast. So th- this is actually a good point to mention this. If you guys want to get in some final thoughts about World's Finest Podcast as a whole, start sending them in now. Because I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of emails, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I just want to tell you guys, start doing this now. And in the subject line, in the subject line, please put World's Finest Podcast 100 or WFP 100 or Episode 100. Just put something in there to, to denote that that is to be read on episode or during Episode 100, please. Um, something else we should mention is, duh, we both have to smack our heads. What haven't we mentioned on this show? Uh, the fifth annual awards. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to extend voting by an extra two weeks, if you don't mind, James. No, that's okay, because 
I mean, I've neglected to mention it on Earth2.net, the show, and we've both neglected to mention it on here. So, uh, James, why don't you tell them where they can go, how they can vote, and all this and that, um, since, you know, that's always your baby. Okay. Um, it's the same as years past. If you're new to the forums or you've just started listening to our hours or any other podcast uh, in this current or in, in 2010, uh, we do an annual awards show uh, on Earth2.net, the show, for the winners of what people consider, you know, the best column put on the main page, the best review, uh, the best podcast episode, the funniest moment on any podcast episode, the funniest review, it, it, all the stuff. There's, I think, mm-hmm. I want to say I, there's eight or nine awards this year. I can't remember the exact number. So yeah. it's not, it's not too much to ask folks. And no. you don't, you don't have to vote for all the awards. You can vote for just one if you want to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and all you have to do is send your. There's a ballot. It's in the. It's on the forums. It's in the uh, site news and suggestions subform. Uh, just go into the fifth annual main page awards thread, and the copy paste ballot will be on the first page in that thread. Mm-hmm. And you can send it to awards at earth two dot net. Awards at earth dash the number two dot net. Yeah. And what was the deadline? It well, it was going to be either tomorrow or the next day, but I mean. I mean, and okay. that's and today is the thirty. We're recording this on the thirty first of January. So, okay. So let's say people have until um, how about the fifteenth of February? We'll extend it till then. Okay. Does that sound good? Uh, yeah, that should be okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about extending it and you know bring spring that on you here. But like I said, it's like we should have been mentioning it on here for yeah, a while now, and fault. I should have been mentioning on Earth Dude at the show. It's like all the like even Ian chimed in and recorded something extra for the old for your ears only feed to drop in there to get people to be like, hey, don't forget there were episodes of for your your for your ears only in 2010. Don't forget to vote. Even he chimed in, and we <laughs> we. You know, me, the, the the runner of the site, and you, the brainchild of the awards and the mastermind of the awards, you completely forgot to mention this stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, basically we're extending it two weeks just so you can vote for World's Finest Podcast so that can win. That, that's really all this is, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, we don't rig it at all. No. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, we don't. No, no. It's an honest vote, people. It is. It is. I mean, yeah. We we uh we've been doing this is again this is the fifth year that we're doing this. Last year it was a complete disaster and it was com- and it was all my fault. I totally take all the blame for it. Uh, but the three years before that, that's let's remember those years. Oh yeah, those really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really it's great. Just it shows the writers and contributors of the website that people are listening and they care about uh, what we do and all the hard work we put into this stuff and. It, it does mean a lot to us, even though it's it, it's just uh, a mention on an Earth2.net or Earth2.net the show uh, episode, which we'll probably record sometime in March. Yeah. Um, it's it does mean a lot to us, folks. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, really, it takes less than five minutes to sit down and you know jot some things down and send them off. Right. Next one is from Dylan, who writes, Good morning, evening, or night, depending on what time this is being recorded. Mike and James, how are you? Regarding the intense fight between Superman and Captain Marvel, I have two gripes with this. One was mentioned. The fight could have been avoided if Superman uh, wasn't being such a giant douchebag. Two, like Mike's gripe about the cut, uh, cut loose Superman has on Darkseid, many buildings are being completely obliterated, and I'm sure that would be killing many people. Although I do think the fight is awesome. I don't think this city was inhabited yet. I think Luthor says it was going to be, 
like opening like the first residents were going to be moving in in like a couple of weeks mm-hmm. or something like that. So yeah, there were people on the street that could have been hurt by all the glass and debris that was flying around, but no, I don't think anybody would have been. The only people that would have potentially been in those buildings would have been construction workers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm willing to say that they weren't um, because Luthor probably said, hey, come down and enjoy this banquet that we're having in everybody's honor. You know, the people who are moving in, the people who put the city together. Um, I, so, yeah, I don't think – I think everybody was on the street. All right. Last one today is from Joshua, who writes, Hello, Mike and James. Your last episode was good as always. I do, however, have to take issue with a couple of aspects of it. First, in regard to chaos at the Earth's core, I do agree that the story was a weak one at heart. The whole uh, Scarterous storyline was not compelling, and I was not drawn in enough to be emotionally invested in the fate of the people there. However, I actually did think the character interactions were pretty well done. I'm a big fan of the younger generation of heroes in DC Comics, including the Teen Titans with Wonder Girl, the Tim Drake Robin, the newly young Raven, Beast Boy, and Kid Flash. I also like the Justice Society of America with older heroes mentoring young ones, featuring Stargirl as one of their headliners. And I believe that the Michael Turner Supergirl introduction was one of the best stories I've read. Uh, This episode was clearly about featuring a couple of those younger characters, and a couple of my favorites, Supergirl and Stargirl. It was unfortunate that they chose a bad story for them to feature in, even if it did come from the comics, but I was glad to see a showcase episode for the younger heroes. And while I understand your take that there was an inexplicable hostility, that that sort of tension is a regular feature of the comic series featuring young heroes. These characters are immature. They get jealous or angry over little things, and they choose to like or dislike people for shallow reasons. I completely agree with your assessment of the story as a bad one because it was very weak. However, I think the chance to see younger heroes play a lead role and see how they interact raises the episode from terrible to merely below average. The second issue I take is with something Mike said in Dead Reckoning. He referred to the incident when Dead Man possessed Batman's body and killed Devil Ray as a murder. It was not. Murder is not merely a killing. In this instance, Devil Ray was himself attempting to murder Wonder Woman. That would qualify as lawful defense of others. You are correct to point out that Deadman could have possessed someone else and stopped Devil Ray with non-lethal force, and using Batman's body to kill, especially with a gun, was an act that greatly wronged Batman. However, to say that he murdered Devil Ray implies that Devil Ray was wronged, and that is patently untrue. A man who was killed while attempting a murder has not been wronged. Defending the lives of others has always been deemed a legitimate use of lethal force in the Western legal tradition, even though you could argue that... He could have stopped Devil Ray without killing him. It was in no way a murder. Murder is an act of moral evil and taking uh, the taking of an innocent life without justification. The victim of the killing was not innocent and was himself attempting a murder. It was a killing, and perhaps one that could have been avoided, but it was not murder. And yes, this means uh, I do take issue with the conclusion of the episode. How exactly has Dead Man caused a cosmic imbalance by killing a would-be murder, a murderer in defense of others? If I shot and killed someone who was attempting to shoot a police officer, I would be commended as a hero. But Boston Brand killed someone who was attempting to murder Wonder Woman, a true hero who has saved and will save many lives, and somehow Boston Brand has earned some form of divine wrath? It makes no sense. It sends a pacifist message and implies that this is that it is better to let innocent people die than to kill evil people to save them. Is this episode sending the message that if a man breaks into my house and tries to kill a family member, and I can save that family member by shooting the intruder, the moral act is to let my family member die? This goes against our our entire culture's sense of morality, as well as all major moral systems around the world. I would excuse this if, for instance, Boston Brand had been told that the issue was using Batman to kill, 
That was an injustice to Batman, absolutely. It is possible that this no-killing-even-to-save-an-innocent-life rule applies only to disembodied ghosts who have to use living people to kill, but this is not explained. So, Mike, while I was uh, while I was bothered by you referring to the killing as a murder, I'm far more angry at the episode. I can understand that they would not want to condone a killing on screen. However, they went beyond that and sent a message that killing is wrong, even if that killing saves innocent lives. The moral message of this episode is therefore disgusting, in my opinion. It places a a police officer who kills to save a life in the same category as a robber who steals to acquire money. Not all killing is inherently wrong. Well, guys, I'll get off my moral high horse. I look forward to your reviews of the next batch of episodes, and I lament that the show will be coming to a close soon. Thanks for giving me something to listen to during my long, boring nights at work. You know, I, I, I see what you're saying there, and you're right. In the legal sense, you know, murder means one thing, but... You know, I wasn't using it in the legal sense. I was just using it in the generic sense. Someone killed someone else. You know, so that's why I use the word murder, not, you know, killed or, you know, was defending Diana. Mike is not a prosecutor right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, you know, I, I, and like I said, I do appreciate and understand what you're saying. It's just, you know, I, like I said, it's just, it just wasn't the legal sense in which I was using it. Definitely thank you for, for that well-thought-out uh, response there. Now, as for the first part of your email about the way the girls were acting, specifically the way Stargirl was acting in, um, what episode was that, Chaos at the, Chaos at the Earth's Core? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to respond to that in a second, because we have a message from Tom DJ in which he also talks about this. Hey, Michael and James, it's Tom DJ yet again, bothering you from the Better in the Dark Laboratories in Brooklyn. Um, listen to 96, just just finished up a few seconds ago. I was somewhat surprised that James really, really hated the uh, Skitaris episode. I mean, this is, we're come back to this, this idea that one of the reasons I love this final season of uh, Just League Unlimited is that it's this kind of grand tour of the DCAU as it stands. So we get to see Skitaris in Central City and... Um, you know, what was the other guy? And, and Nemba Parvat and all this stuff. Um, but one of the things that kind of really puzzled me was the, the fact that he, that James was complaining about how Stargirl, uh, was behaving like a little bitch. I mean, did you ever read Stars and Stripes, James? Because she was an obnoxious character. I hated the character when Johns created her. Um, it wasn't until James Robinson uh, came along in JSA and kind of smoothed out some of those surfaces that I, I gained a modicum of appreciation for the character. I think that was the whole point. And she's a teenage girl. What excuse does, teenage girl, does a teenage girl have to um, be bitchy at a moment's notice? I mean, that's perfectly in keeping with all the teenage girls I've ever... Uh, God, this just sounds, came into a really creepy email. Um, but it's... I love I love a lot of what is is done with some of the villains. I love the fact that we get to see a lot of these villains that we've never seen and will probably never see again. Um, and of course, you're right about the, the Central City episode, which I do enjoy very much. Although, and I, and I also am waiting for your discussion of the greatest, the Great Brain Robbery, which, as I've mentioned, features the single greatest line ever uttered in the DC animated universe, and Michael and James, I think you know which one I'm hinting at. But I will find out, I'm sure, when you get to review it. I will talk to you later. Peace. 
Um, so, you know, uh, thank you, Tom, for, for that voicemail. Um, and so addressing what you said there, Tom, and what the email prior to this had said, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a good point. You know, people, especially youngsters, really don't need an excuse to get catty and, dare I say, bitchy with one another. Um, so uh, it does kind of put that episode in a different light, though I still think they were laying it on a little thick with Stargirl. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do understand what they were trying to do with the character, at the very least. Um, now to the second part of uh, Tom's voicemail there. Um, no, I'm, I'm really liking what they're doing with the Justice League right now. Um, you know, that we are seeing the second and third string characters, that they are going to Namba Parbat, that they are mentioning Kondok, that we see the Legion of Superheroes. You know, as Tom put it, that's a, that it's a tour of the DC universe. Um, you know, this was the last chance they were going to have to do this in the DC animated universe. Um, and they were just like, fine, we're going to do it. We're, we're going to show all these characters we have not been given a chance to show. And I don't think they were successful all of the time, but I appreciate the fact, you know, as a fanboy myself, I appreciate the fact that they at least got to do it. You know, that they had the stage and they used it to the best of their ability. I need it. Get Superman and tell him General Wade Eiling wants a word with him. Eiling? Cadmus? What happened? That beatdown he handed you last year leave you with Superman issues? He's your poster boy. I'm gonna show the Justice League that you're not the only superpower on the block. That there's someone who can stop you. I'm here to protect them from you. First up today is Patriot Act. In this one, we open with a flashback to World War II Germany, where a scientist is about to give a soldier the Captain Nazi serum. When suddenly Spy Smasher arrives and foils the plan, a fight breaks out and then uh, fire uh, starts up and it causes an explosion that kills everyone inside the castle except for Spy Smasher who had leapt out uh, into the sea just in the nick of time. Uh, after the flashback, we see that uh, General Eiling uh, was reading a report on this at his desk. Uh, later, we see Eiling at dinner with Amanda Waller and they're discussing the JLU. Eileen keeps saying that Justice League is a threat to humanity, and uh, Waller, on the other hand, is saying, look, they do what they do for the good of humanity, and times have changed, and you should change with them. So we go to the Watchtower, and Mr. Terrific uh, is, says that literally every Justice Leaguer is on active duty, <laughs> so he sends Green Arrow, Stripe, Stargirl, Shining Knight, and Vigilante to a parade in Metropolis honoring Superman and the Metropolis PD and Fire Department. So Stargirl and Shining Knight are not at all pleased by this assignment. Uh, meanwhile, General Eiling goes back to Cadmus and forces his way into the biological experiment vault and steals the syringe of Captain Nazi serum. Because uh, it's just been sitting around in syringe form for 60 fucking years. Sorry, I was going to save that for when we actually got to our notes, but I was like, what? It's not just going to be sitting around as a syringe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'll back off. <laughs> uh, so the guy he forced to open that door for him sounds the alarm, but Eiling just injects himself with it, and he starts morphing into Abomination Hulk. Uh, Doomsday. Doomsday, you name it. Yeah. <laughs> guy. Uh, yeah. And he trashes the room. Uh and leaps out of the building into the sky to find Superman. 
Uh, we go back to the parade, and Vigilante has gotten the previously disappointed crowd into it by talking up all of the lesser-known non-superpowered heroes. Suddenly, Eiling Hulk leaps in and destroys the Superman float and demands to see Superman. Green Arrow walks up and is like, he's busy, can I help you? And Eiling's <laughs> like, sure, hold this for me. He tosses a car at him, and the other heroes start attacking too, but they have very little effect on the now invulnerable Eiling. And Eiling reveals who he is and that he, you know, and he demands to speak to Superman because he says there's a new metahuman on the block and he's here to protect America from the threat of the JLU. So Ali is taken aback at what Eiling's done to himself, but the fight continues. And the non-superpowered bunch are getting absolutely thrashed for several minutes all over the streets. And Arrow contacts Mr. Terrific, like, look, we need backup. And Mr. Terrific's like, Dude, there's nobody. I'll try and scrounge up some reserve leaguers. So Green Arrow, eventually the the uh, backup gets there, and uh, it turns out to be the Crimson Avenger and Speedy. Whoa, whoa, wait, who? Crim- Crimson Avenger and Speedy. Who, who was that second one you mentioned? Speedy. Suck it. <laughs> uh, yes. Con- it- continue, please. Oh, continue. That That's... Yeah. Uh, uh, that's a word that's very closely linked to continuity, isn't it? Ooh, it is. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> one last one last jab. Before, before oh, no. Know. We have a couple episodes. There'll be more, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure there will be a 99 and 100. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, Buy yeah. a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Yes. So, okay, finally, everyone but Shining Knight is taken down and... Uh, Sir Justin gets Eiling's attention and says that Superman is in another star system where he even he can't hear Eiling's, you know, bitchiness. So Eiling tells uh, Shining Knight to stand down. His magic armor will only protect him so, you know, from so much punishment. So after beating him up some more, Eiling, who seem, he actually seems to have a minute amount of respect for Shining Knight here, just keeps telling him to give up. But uh, Sir Justin will not. So Eiling punts him across the street and picks up a car to finish him off and just crush him to death. However, a crowd of civilians gathers around him, and there's this old woman, and she's like, seriously, dude, what the hell? You think killing this boy will make a, the world a safer place? And Eiling's like, the jail, the jail you are the ones I'm after, not you. These superhumans are the real threat. So this kid is there, and he says, you're the only one here with superpowers. <laughs> and uh, Eiling tosses the car away and is like, all right, I admit it, I've become what I hate. But in the long run, you'll see, I was right all along. You need people like me to protect you from them. So he pulls another Incredible Hulk and leaps away, bouncing off buildings. And uh, Sir Justin, Stargirl, and her dad are all taken away on stretchers, but they'll live, and the crowd gives their thanks to the brave heroes. Yes. Oh, uh, before we get into our thoughts, I think, because someone might write in, I think that uh, that's not her dad. I think it's her stepdad. Okay, stepdad. Yeah, so, yeah. Just, just, just want to get that out there. Um, what do you think about this one? I really want to like this one more, mm-hmm. but something's holding me back. Uh, there's, yeah. there's a lot of just kind of dumb things that happen in this. But I mean, mm-hmm. I don't dislike the episode at all. Uh, it's slightly above average, I would say. I'm right there with you. Um, I really want to like an episode that features. Green Arrow as the like most popular member. You know, basically the leader of this little team here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise, everybody else are really B and C listers. 
I, I, I want, you know, I respect the program for trying that, for not putting Batman, Superman, or any of the big seven in there. Um, and we see Green Lantern for, what, 30 seconds in the beginning just to explain why he's – why nobody's on Earth, you know? Yeah. And he's in a video feed. It's not even actually him. Right, exactly. Um, but at the end of the day, this one just comes off a little bland for me. Um you know, I mean, yeah, it's cool. We have the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Or in in sort of, we have the Seven Soldiers of Victory. I mean, the original were Green Arrow, Speedy, Shining Knight, Vigilante, uh, the Crimson Avenger, Star-Spangled Kid, and Stripesy. And we have all of that here except replace uh, the Star-Spangled Kid and Stripesy with Stargirl and Stripe. So it's technically the Seven Soldiers, but not, if you understand what I'm saying. Um so it's cool that, that they threw those characters in there. Um, I like that they're showing that the Cadmus stuff is carrying over, that Eiling hasn't given up, that Waller has going, look, you know, it, it's a new world, man. We lost. We just have to deal with that. You know, and she's come to understand and respect the League. I mean, she saw them fight and take down Brainiac Luther. She was right there. You know, if she still harbored any ill will against them or still feared them remember at the end of the brainiac storyline there was an airstrike coming in she calls the president and says you can call it off and she's like yes i'm sure she, even though they had saved the world she could have still obliterated the league yep. you know what i'm saying but clearly from that moment she started to respect them and understand them and realizes the world needs them so it's cool to see that he hasn't moved on where she has but just to have him turn himself into what he hates and become a generic Hulk doomsday abomination like Beastie, that's where the episode kind of loses me. Um, there's just no... There's just no spice to it. Um, it's kind of run-of-the-mill. You can kind of tell where it's going to go, how yep. it's going to get resolved. You know, that he's going to realize, yeah, he's become this thing he hates. And, um, yeah, I think that's what makes it just average for me you know because i don't want it to come off like i hate this one because i don't i just i just it's just not as good as it could have been and really should have been i'm sorry i've been going off what else do you want to say about this one well i as far as eiling goes before he becomes the abomination whole doomsday hmm. thing uh i actually like what they were doing with him like you said i i i appreciate that he didn't give up he's a general in the military so I mean, he's he's not gonna just say, oh, okay. Well, let, let's just completely change my. I'll just completely change my mind on this. No, right, it's not yeah. gonna happen. It's not no. gonna happen. And one moment I really liked in particular was after, right after he becomes the the beastie, he has a soldier in his hand, and the dude's like, please don't kill me, and he's like, I wouldn't kill you. You're just doing your job, and he mm -hmm. throws him back into the building, yeah. whereas he could have just dropped him and let him fall to his death. So, and so that, that, that again, that shows that Eiling is in his mind doing good. Well, and I think that goes to explain why he, in some way, respects Shining Knight. Yes. For not standing down, even though he calls him a bad soldier at one point, because Shining Knight's telling him the story about how he himself stood up to King Arthur at one point. Yes. Um, you know, and he's like, well, then you were a bad soldier, blah, 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 you know. But after that, I think he starts to really respect the guy because he will not lay down, even though he will not win. You know, Shining Knight is going to die. He knows that, but he's protecting those people and his friends. 
And uh, Eiling, being a general, you know, he doesn't want to kill the kid, but he's gonna at the end of the day because, well, in, that's his mission as, as he sees it, his self, uh, self-given self mission. Let's get into these things that I think are bringing this episode down. Mm-hmm. Um, a kid knows how to operate a wrecking ball. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? Give me a fucking break. Yeah, I... Yeah, I don't know why they couldn't have had that just been a construction worker. Like, one of those kids, and it should be said those kids are stand-ins for the, or not stand-ins, they are the Newsboy Legion, even though they're never right. called the Newsboys Legion. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those kids, the, the one who was operating the wrecking ball, could have been like, hey, construction guy, the wrecking ball, you know what I mean? He, he could have <laughs> yelled up at someone to, 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 to use that machine against the Eiling monster. Um, but to have the kid do it, oh, so lame. And completely nonsensical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was something else I was going to say, but I've completely forgotten. So if you have something else to say, go ahead, and I'll try to remember what it was. Yeah, you know, I, I've got little things with this one. Um, this is, like, a continuity problem. They show the Justice League, or I should, let me call them what they are, the Seven Soldiers, uh, yeah, the seven soldiers of Victory. They show them at the parade. Then they cut to Eiling getting the serum... Then they cut back to the League. I think then they cut back to Eiling, and then they cut back to the League getting attacked by Eiling. Okay? Mm-hmm. The parade's during the day, but what Eiling's uh-huh. doing is at night. Yep. And they're trying to make it look like it happens at the same time. And what they should have done was had Eiling get the serum, inject himself, bounce away from the Cadmus facility, then show the parade. But you can't tell me that those things are happening at the same time. A parade's happening in the middle of the day, and it's a full moon where Eiling is. And you can't tell me that it's a different... Maybe he's on the other side of the world, because how did Eiling get there? The guy can't fly. He's leaping. He's not going to leap. He clearly can't leap across oceans if he's bouncing off of buildings to get away at the end. You know, so there's a huge continuity flub there. You know, like I said, I'd be willing to accept that it happened beforehand, but the way they're editing it and showing it, it doesn't appear that way. It's supposed to be that it's happening at the same time. That that was my note. Thank you. (laughs) That was what I was trying to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, You know, I I, getting back to it, I did feel the end was a little too preachy. Um, You know, I don't know. It felt like. The producers of the show were sending a message to the United States government and military. Yeah, they um, were. I think I, I, they've shown on numerous occasions that uh, they they fall sort of to the left of the political on the political spectrum, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and you know I don't mind when they do that. That's fine, but be subtle about it. You know, don't stick it down my throat. Don't uh, don't Ted Turner it. Please don't, yeah. don't Captain Planet us, please. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, another thing I had a problem with is uh, who oh, I forget who does Eileen's voice. It's J. Jonah Jameson from the Spider Man. Uh, yeah, movies. J. K. Simmons. That's it. Um, I like him as a voice actor. I yes. think I've said that before. But when he became the monster, there was no difference in his voice. And I would have liked something, and I'm not saying he needed to be all dumb, like the Hulk or Bizarro, but I would have liked a little graveliness to it, just a little something different. I mean, he just went through this monstrous change, but he still sounds like his normal self. Maybe it's nitpicky, but it does kind of bother me. No, I actually have a a very similar note about that for our last episode that we're covering today. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see, looking at my notes here, what else is there? 
Oh, I have to wonder if in the beginning of the episode, and I thought that was really cool, the way they start out with kind of like the black and white pulpy mm-hmm. kind of adventure story with Spy Smasher and Captain Nazi, or the would-be Captain Nazi. I thought that was an interesting way to start this episode. But I have to wonder if in the DCAU, if the Nazis were trying to create Captain Nazi because the superheroes went back in time in the savage time. And so the Nazis saw that there would be superheroes in the future, so they created or were trying to create their own. Possibly. So basically the League potentially created Captain Nazi, thus creating the serum, thus creating the Eiling monster. <laughs> you know, and- I mean, they never outright say that, but it's really got me thinking, going, why not? Uh, you're... That actually reminds me, your rant during the uh, summary there about the serum being still in the syringe. How, mm. the, the dude, the scientist who Eiling forces to open the vault and everything is like, then you know about the, the, uh, the disfigurations, the, the horrible t- t- problems with the test subjects and everything. Okay, how did they do that with that <laughs> stuff still in the syringe there? And yeah. it just being that little minute amount of it? Yeah, yeah. I just mean, sure. wondering... Yeah, I mean, you can definitely say they've they've tested the serum, they've they've repro- you know they've reproduced it, and all this and that. But again, why is it just still sitting in a syringe in a vault? If if anything, it would be in a test tube or something. What you think? You know, <laughs> it was just so weird. There was there was no reason they couldn't have had it in a test tube with a sur- empty syringe next to it, with which Eiling then filled and injected himself with. To have it still in that same syringe is just dumb. <laughs> Oh, oh! You know what? Something else I will give this episode is uh, I really like the vigilante shining knight relationship. Oh um, yes, the way you know they're talking, like in the beginning when they're getting in the elevator and they're talking about Dirty Harry. Yes. You know, and Vigilante is like, you will not besmirch the name of Clint Eastwood if you want to watch anything on my TV ever again, sir. With the 5.1 you know? surround sound. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool. That whole conversation um, is just phenomenal. It's yeah, like, I, I, I still say this Clint Eastwood dishonored himself when he refused to, what was it, play by the rules? <laughs> I can see why they called him dirty. <laughs> <laughs> he besmirches his order. Yeah. And, you know, getting, you know, staying with that, I really like the fact that uh, Vigilante calls him Sir Justin yes. and not just Shining Knight. You know, he gives him respect by calling him, you know, by his title and his name. That, that, that's, that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I would love, like, a Shining Knight Vigilante spinoff miniseries. Just, like, five or six episodes, you know. I don't think they could pull off, like, a whole couple of season run. But just give me five or six episodes of buddy comedy, you know, the, the cowboy and the knight from King Arthur's Court, you know, because <laughs> I'm not even sure what's if someone can write in and let me know. Um, I'm looking at you, Tom DJ, and uh, let me know if that version of Vigilante, is he really a cowboy? Is he time displaced? I don't know much about him. Um, I mean, they flat out say that Sir Justin was a knight in King Arthur's Court, so we know something's up with him. But what's going on with that iteration of Vigilante? I only have one more thing to say. Yes. Partner, your medieval upbringing has done left you unschooled in the ways of the moving picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing. This one really has some good lines, doesn't it? Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. oh I love it when, when the Crimson Avenger and Speedy are teleported down and Greener's like, oh, you've got it coming now, mister. You, you've got, now you've got to deal with 
the Crimson Avenger and my ex sidekick. Ex partner. Yeah. <laughs> Speedy, we got to do this now. And then Eiling's just like, ooh, now I'm scared. Yeah. Well, thank you for transitioning me to my final point. Okay, guys. This Speedy looks just like the Speedy from Teen Titans. He's clearly older, which means the Teen Titans happened when? Ages ago. Potentially before Batman the Animated Series, as James and I have been saying all along. It's the same costume, the same haircut, and the same voice actor. Look, we know Grodd's running some kind of organized group. I'm tired of just putting out fires. We need to find his new secret society and take the fight to them. Guys, I'm not arguing that. There's just got to be another way. This is it. When Grodd took control of your mind a couple of years ago, even though that connection was broken, he left a psychic resonance. I can mystically access that resonance and trace it to Grodd wherever he hides. And when we do find Grodd, we'll likely find Luthor, Bizarro, and any number of wanted criminals. No doubt, but I don't like strangers nosing around in my brain. No offense, Doc. I assure you I won't be reading your thoughts. Your mind is simply a portal. This really seems like it's more up Jean's alley. Jean's not uh, here. What do you say we go check with Batman? He's got clues. You saw Batman's report. Grodd covered all of his tracks. We need to find him before he hurts anyone else, Flash. This may be our only shot. Man, just be careful with my head. It's where I keep all my one-liners. What in the hell, kid? Show me the mind of Gorilla Grodd. You see how much I've learned from your mind control technology. Of course, I don't have your natural talent for the work. So my process is relatively crude. Last chance. Tell me what I want to know or I'll tear the information from your bleeding frontal lobe. You're a technological creep. A sadistic child playing with power tools. Do it. My spell has already found a trace of Grodd's mental signature. It should be a simple matter to follow it back to the source. Something's wrong. That's not Flash's mind. It's Lex Luthor. What? What have you done to me? That's Luthor. Next up is the Great Brain Robbery. In this one, uh, what the hell's going on? Okay, over at the Legion of Doom, um, Luthor mentions that he has some, like, big super plan. Doesn't quite say what it is yet. He just says that um, once they pull it off everybody in the Legion will be, like, set for life. It'll be the biggest heist any of them has ever pulled. Um, he's also trying to still scan that little piece of Brainiac, but it's he can't find any sign of life in that thing. So he's getting really pissed. So he goes to Grodd, and he's all like, you know, tell me how to get that working, because I know you're somehow keeping that secret from me. Because remember, it was Grodd who gave Luthor, or Luthor probably stole it from him, but it was Grodd who found that piece of Brainiac. So that's why Luthor thinks uh, uh, Grodd knows what to do. And Grodd's like, screw you, that's my only bargaining chip, I'm not going to tell you. Well, as uh, Luthor and what's her name, Tala? Mm -hmm. 
sorry, I always want to say Talia, and I know that's wrong. As uh, Luthor and Tala are leaving uh, uh, Grodd's cell, uh, Tala's like, how about we just crack his head open and take the information? And Luthor's like, ooh, I like you. Well, they, they using Grodd's technology, uh, you know, his, his mind-reading technology and mind-control technology, they set up this big doohickey that's going to allow Luthor to just rip Grodd's brain apart to get this information. Meanwhile, on the Watchtower, um, the, the Justice League, they're trying to figure out what Grodd is doing and where he's holed up. And they say, look, Flash, Grodd has been in your head, and even though that connection was broken, he still left a psychic footprint in your mind. So we're going to sit you down, and we're going to use Dr. Fate's magic to uh, try to uh, reactivate that and find him. Flash is like, um, I don't like this idea. Can't we have John Jones do it? And they're like, John ain't here. This is the only way we can do this. And well, he's like, okay, but I really don't like this. So you've got these two mind-reading things happening at the same exact time with Grodd being the, the, the basically the, uh, the circuit. And uh, when they're activated... This, in comedic 1980s movie fashion, causes the Flash's brain to be swapped with Lex Luthor's brain. So Luthor ends up in uh, Wally's body. He's running around the Watchtower just wreaking havoc all over the place, um, using the Flash's powers in ways that Wally never would because they are super dangerous. Um, so the League's trying to stop him. Um, they're, you know... Because obviously they want to get, they want to set things right uh, with, with Wally's brain there. Meanwhile, over in the Legion headquarter, um, Wally's trying to figure out what the hell's going on, and uh, he, uh, w w what do you call it? Uh, what's the guy's name? Doctor Polaris, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it should be said earlier. Doctor Polaris is starting to get in the real Lex Luthor's face, um, and it's very clear that he's going to stage a coup, much like Luthor staged a, a coup on Grodd um, prior to this. Well, um, once Wally is transferred into Lex's body, uh, Dr. Polaris is like, what is going on with Luthor? He's off his rocker, um, and he's, he starts to really think that this is his time to step up and take control of this group. Um, you know, that's, that's just sort of in the background, uh, I should say. But uh, at, at some point, Luthor sits down, Luthor in quotes, Wally Luthor, uh, sits down with the gang and he has them explain to him what the plan is, what this big bad plan is. And what it is is, um, what country is it? Is it Kazakhstan? No, uh... Kaznia. Kaznia, that's it. As going always. To be, right. Is going to be entering the European Union and they are going to be flooded with 100 million euros. And uh, they're going to take out the train. Hence the name of this, the Great Brain Robbery, the Great Train Robbery. Huh? Huh? See yeah, what they did yeah. there? Yeah. Well, um, Wally... In Luthor's body, he doesn't want to have any part of this, but if he's going to survive, he has to continue to go along with this. So he actually sort of leads this mission. Um, at some point, how the hell does the... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what happens. Okay, so they're stealing this train. Um, at some point, the real Luthor in Wally's body gets a signal to the Legion and is all like, hey, that's not me, that's the Flash. And uh, they're like, oh, really? So before they jump the Flash and bring him down, um, Wally's able to get a signal to the League and tell them what's going on. But it's real brief. They're able to trace it. Uh, they stop the train robbery for the most part. I think the Legion gets like one crate of money, um, but not the $100 million that they were promised. Um, 
And, uh, you know, Wally, you know, we don't know what's going to happen to him. I mean, he's, he's, he's back in their hands. Uh, but they're, uh, the League is actually able to finally take down Luthor and uh, doing some Dr. Fate trickery. Uh, they switch the minds back. And, uh, you know, Wally's safe and sound in his body, but back in the uh, Legion's, uh, uh, Legion of Doom's swamp headquarters thing, um, uh, Dr. Polaris, uh, they, he's, he's got Luthor tied to a chair, or bound to a chair, and he's like, you know what, I don't care if you're the real Lex Luthor or not, I'm taking you down. And uh, he, he rips some metal out of the ceiling, and he's going to just totally just impale Luthor with all these shards of, of metal. And Luthor, his hands are loose for some dumb reason, and he presses something on his belt buckle, uh, which causes the metal to reverse and actually wrap itself around Dr. Polaris. Luthor stands up, and he's like, that's how you know I'm the real Lex Luthor, basically, because, you know, Wally wouldn't do something like that. Um, and he says, you know, when I augmented all of your guys' powers um, ages ago, I found a way to override all of them. If any of you have any problems with it, say something now. You know, basically threatening, telling them, come on, come at me. You know, you, you can't touch me. Um, and uh, this one ends really with uh, Luthor walking away and Tala going, is it really you? And he's like, yes, you stupid witch. And Tala's just like, oh, because she started to like the Wally Flash. <laughs> or Wally, not Wally Flash, Wally Luthor. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much this one. So uh, what did you think here? This is fucking awesome. I know, isn't it? Yeah. I have a... See, or I should say, hearing Michael Rosenbaum and Clancy Brown uh, swap roles was awesome. It was hilarious. <laughs> Just Clancy Brown being like, uh, I, Lex Luthor, will now talk about my, Lex Luthor's, <laughs> grand plan. Question the plan at your peril. Any questions? Yeah. <laughs> and what's that, what's that one point when, oh, what is he, he starts getting in one guy's face and he's like... He's like, oh yeah. He's like, uh, so we all get a cut, right? Watch yourself, my my evil minion. You presume too much. One day, you'll go too far. Yeah. And then, of course, there's potentially the greatest line in all of the DCAU, which uh, I think is what Tom was referencing in his voicemail. You going to wash your hands? No, because I'm evil. <laughs> oh, my God. And just the look on Polaris's face is like... I know. I can't tell if he's actually disgusted that Luthor has apparently lost his mind or if he's disgusted because he's not washing his hands after, you know, leaving, you know, before leaving the men's room. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, again, another Flash centric episode that has heart, has really good action, great characterization. I mean, we get. Michael Rosenbaum playing Lex Luthor, but it's not Smallville. You yep. know, it's it's just so weird. Um, uh, oh, of course, there's the other great moment where Wally or Lex takes off the mask in the bathroom. Oh yeah, I have no idea who this is, <laughs> which is weird because they actually say Wally's name in front of Luthor several times in this episode and. Um, at the end of the uh, uh, Cadmus storyline, when Wally enters the Speed Force, they yell his name, Shaira. She's like, Wally, yeah. right in front of Luthor. So Luthor knows the Flash's name, and he's got, I think, a photographic memory. So he could figure out who the Flash is. 
And of course, he clearly has a grudge against the guy because it was him who robbed him of Brainiac. Um, so I think if they had continued on one more season, I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have had Luthor figure it out and go after the guy. Yeah. But that's you know something that didn't happen. Let, let's talk about actually stuff that did happen. What else about this one were you well, liking or even potentially not liking? Well, don't forget, there's a couple of other re- just ridiculously great moments. Uh, mm. Fla- uh, Luthor and Flash, Flash's body throws banana jello at or lemon jello at Green Lantern's bubble and it pierces it. Okay, I wanted to bring this up. Does it pierce it because he throws it at, at super speed, or does it pierce it because it's yellow? It's because it's yellow. <laughs> That's what I always thought, but I've seen people say it's because it's at super speed. And I'm like, whether it's jello, because sometimes I think it's jello, sometimes I think it's bricks of cheese. You know what I'm saying? Or banana pudding or something. Or banana pudding. Well, it's squares. It's definitely squares. Um, but whatever it is, it's clearly yellow. It's like, that's why it got through. Um I mean, the speed, sure, it probably helped, but it would have got through anyways. It's yellow! (laughs) (laughs) And I love that it doesn't harm him. It just hits him in the face, and he's just like, damn it. You know? (laughs) Oh, and there's a cool little thing there that you actually don't see Wally do all that often. Um, When Luthor runs out of the cafeteria, he runs back in and, like, scarfs down some food and runs back out. Yep. And that's because Wally has that super increased metabolism. He has to be eating all the time. Um, and it was nice that they actually didn't forget that and added this very subtle thing of having Luthor do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, though I like the fact that Luthor realized he needed to keep eating if he was going to keep being able to use Wally's speed, I'm not crazy about the fact that Luthor knows how to use the power right away and is using it in ways that Wally probably doesn't even know how to. In fact, I know Wally doesn't know how to. There's that one point when, uh, what's his name, Mr. Terrific turns off the gravity in the watchtower, Luthor flies, or he, he fall, or you know raises up in the air, and then he starts flapping his arms real quick, and he, is, he teaches himself how to fly. Wally can't do that. We've seen him try to helicopter before, and he failed miserably. Remember in front of uh, Fire and Ice, I think it was. Or at least Fire. Fire and Hawkgirl, yeah. Fire and Hawkgirl, that's it, yeah. So Wally doesn't even know how to fly, but Luthor figures it out, being in Wally's body for, what, an hour? Uh, Luthor is a genius. No, he He's is. He's a 12th-level intellect. <laughs> no, 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 that is absolutely true. But remember, I have mentioned this as a pet peeve before. When people automatically know how to use a power, either, you know, like once they first get it. It's like that, that, that never works for me. There has to be a learning curve. And straight from the get-go, Luthor knows exactly what he's doing with that. Um, if this doesn't get a perfect score from me, it's because of that, honestly. That really does bug me every time I watch this one. It, does, it honestly doesn't bug me at all because okay. because of the Luthor factor. If, okay, I mean, no, if it was just about anybody else, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be right there with you. Okay, no, and I, I understand that. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Uh, what, are the, what other things do you want to say about this one? I know we've both got to have a ton of notes. Uh, how about when uh, Wally in Luthor's body is trying to sneak down a hallway and Tala drags him into a into a one of the villain's quarters and he's like, hey, that's not restful. Yeah. And then afterwards she's calling him all sensitive and attentive. It's like, oh my God, Wally actually got laid as Luthor. Uh-uh. <laughs> he had sex with a witch. <laughs> well, hey, this is a little more continuity. As Kid Flash, who did he hook up with? Jinx. Jinx. He has a thing for witches. Mm-hmm. Hey, look at that. I never even noticed that little bit of continuity there. Ah. 
Oh, Got a thing for the Magic users. Yes. <laughs> cool. I would have loved it uh, if, like, when Luthor is, was walking away from Tala at the very end of the episode, and was like, of course I, I'm the real thing, you twit. And he's like, what, what are these stains on my pants? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. If it wasn't a kid's show, you know it would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm looking at my notes. I found another great quote, the Bizarro one. Me got answer. Ever since you plug into Monkey Head, you act perfectly sane and rational. Am you Bizarro's mommy? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is so good. Yup. Oh, man. And and the, the thing is, it's like... The whole scheme that they're pulling, you know, the robbery, it's 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 stupid. It's nothing. It's it's like they didn't even put a whole hell of a lot of thought into what they were going to have the the, the Legion of Doom do here. Mm-hmm. You know? Um but it doesn't matter, really, because the story honestly is about what Lex is doing and what Wally is doing in their opposites' bodies. Um so I really don't mind. That they're ooh, they're just robbing a train of a hundred million dollars. Oh, that's so original. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Yeah, um, I I do have to going back to the Luthor using Flash's power thing. I did really like the moment when he first realized that he was in Flash's body, and he runs down to that that poor schlub at the teleporter pad. And he's like, mm. "Teleport me out of here, or I'm going to vibrate my fingers through your brain and scramble it, or whatever he said." It was yeah. <laughs> that's actually a pretty badass line. Whatever well, it was. I can't remember the exact line, though. No, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it, by seeing Luthor do all this stuff, we do come to realize that Wally is potentially more powerful than, like, Superman and Hawk Girl and a lot of the other League members, but he chooses not to because at his core, and we see this when he interacts with his rogues, a really good guy. You know, yeah, he could just completely obliterate walls and vibrate through people and take them out, but that's not who he is, because that's not how he was raised. Um, And I like seeing that. I really do. Um, I think this is a really great episode that demonstrates that, you know, we know Wally's a good guy, but this shows you how good a guy he is, that he doesn't use his power to its full potential because he doesn't want to hurt anybody. Um, Something else I want to mention is about the... Dr. Polaris Luthor standoff at the end. What I find interesting is when Luthor staged his coup, he did not hesitate to just shoot Grodd point blank and just take control. But when Dr. Polaris has the chance, he hesitates. Instead of impaling Luthor, instead of ripping him to shreds with those shards of metal, he pauses and lets them hover in front of Lex to intimidate him, thus allowing Lex the time to use Dr. Polaris's power against him. And that clearly shows you that, that those two men are in completely different classes. Yep. Um, and I don't know if we're supposed to read into it like that, but I am reading into it like that because, hell, that's what we do. That's what we've been doing for 97 episodes. Um, and to me, like I said, it just, it just really shows you who those two men are, that if Dr. Polaris had taken control of the Legion of Doom, he would have been an ineffectual leader, whereas Luthor, for the most part, is a really good, though completely nutty, leader. Let's see. Oh, there is a little bit of a mistake. There's actually a couple. Um, The last 
um, time we see Green Lantern in this episode, he, it doesn't look like he has his mustache. Earlier in the episode, um, what do you call it? When the Luthor as the Flash, it's clear he's run down a hallway and knocked out a bunch of people. Ice is laying there. Yep. So Ice was on the Watchtower, but later on, she was part of the group that came from the Metro Tower, the Earth-based, uh, not the Metro Tower, the Metro Base or whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, you Metro know, the, Tower. Yeah, that was sent to stop the train robbery. So that was that was the, the little, I mean, I don't know why they didn't go back and just color Ice, who was laying on the ground, to be someone else. Just color her green to make it look like fire. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That was definitely a little weird. Um, I'm trying to... Oh, oh, okay. This isn't a flub on their part, but this is something that I always go, hmm, at. At the end, when Dr. Fate has the Flash, but it's Flash Luthor, right? Mm -hmm. Really look at that shot. Really take a look. That might actually be the banner image for this episode. Just because I'm me and I can't resist. Um, but for those of you that aren't inclined to go and watch the episode, basically it's shot from behind Luthor Flash. All we see is Flash's head bent down off camera. Fate's got his hands on his head and he's looking up as there's like this white mystical power going around him. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> How was I supposed to know you'd snapped out of it? I mean, I couldn't be sure. They've had you up every night working the arena. No wonder you've been fighting like a girl. You know what I mean. Don't remember, do you? You did that to her. No way. Where do you think you got that burn? It wasn't your fault. They must be using some kind of mind control technology. Grods. Wherever it comes from, that stuff's a little too efficient for my taste. Your earpiece was wrecked in the fight. We can't phone for help. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. The League calm links. That must be how Roulette was controlling you. Next up is Grudge Match. In this one, we are reintroduced to Roulette, who is having a lot of problems keeping the meta brawl alive. So she goes to Luthor, who is having his own issues trying to recreate Brainiac, and... He point-blank says he doesn't have the money to build this new device that he needs to reconstitute him. So Roulette wants to get some higher-end villains for Metabrawl, and she starts kind of rubbing up on Luthor, and this does not sit well with Tala, who forcefully removes her from Luthor's reach. And they're about to fight, but Luthor stops them, saying he just got an idea to solve her problem and his. <laughs> so Roulette says, of course, the new Metabrawl. It'll be all girl fights all the time. We'll call it the Glamour Slam. Uh, something else. And then Sonar's in the background. He's like, Chickapalooza. <laughs> and then Luthor, Luthor gives him the people's eyebrow. Yeah. I just love, what would you say his name was? Sonar? Yeah. He's just standing there like, huh? Huh? <laughs> no, no. So I want to go at it. I know. He's so excited to see the chick fights. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, and Roulette's like, the new the mood uh so it's like it's this this is gonna work but it we need better than you know second string villains and luther's like who said anything about villains so after the title we see black canary and she's having trouble bringing down a mere pickpocket <laughs> and uh hunter starts making fun of her but then she sees she's really hurting and she asks if she's okay and Hunt, uh, uh dinah's just like get out of my way and she leaves and uh 
uh, Huntress shoots one of her little tracker devices onto her bike, and uh, she then calls a question and says that Canary has been really sloppy lately, and even Q is like, I'm the conspiracy theorist, and even I don't see anything fishy here. He also finds out that Baskin-Robbins has 32 flavors. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Huntress follows Canary that night and uh, follows her and Fire into the Metabrawl's new incredibly luxurious building. And she gets out of her costume and sneaks into the audience where the bets are taking place. And Roulette announces that Black Canary is going to fight Fire in tonight's main event. And Canary ends up just trashing her with the Canary cry. And as Black Canary is leaving the parking garage later, Huntress confronts her and is like, what the hell are you doing? And Canary just says absolutely nothing and just kicks her right in the face. And they start fighting. And eventually Huntress... uh, just throws an elbow right into Canary's like larynx or something. It just, like, completely puts her Canary cry out of commission. And she also grabs Canary's comlink out of her ear and tries to contact the league, but uh, Dinah knocks it away and Huntress accidentally steps on it. And Canary then seems to come out of a trance and Huntress just knocks her out. Sonar and his goons then appear behind and capture her. So they're in a holding cell and Huntress deduces that the league's comlinks are how they're controlling the women. And Roulette and the doctor come down to check on Fire, who's in very bad shape. And Roulette then says that because Canary and Huntress are not under her control, she's going to have to eliminate them in the ring. I mean, might as well make millions of dollars off of it. So Huntress and Canary are brought to the ring, but they're not going to be fighting each other. They have to tag team against Vixen and Shaira. So they start fighting. Uh, Canary manages to get Vixen's comlink away, but Roulette destroys it before she can contact help. And they do the same thing with Shaira. They get her comlink and snap her out of it. So Huntress yells at Roulette, that all you got? Roulette gets on the Jumbotron and says, oh, no, no, no. I've saved the very best for last. Up from the floor comes Wonder Woman. Uh And the women are like, oh, shit. (laughs) So huge fight starts with Diana just owning the girls right and left and every other direction you can name. And uh, Huntress (laughs) and Canary... Uh, make their way to uh, uh, Virgie and Ritual, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so um, they make their way to Roulette's control booth, and Shire and Vixen are just trying to stay alive fighting Wonder Woman. Uh, Huntress fights Roulette and then gets Sonar to shut off the signal right before Wonder Woman crushes Vixen and Shire's skulls. And it's over. So Roulette gets taken to jail. All the heroines kind of lick their wounds, just try and get out of this place, and uh, Huntress and Canary are talking, and they're, they're like, you know what? All this fighting, we don't need to see who's better. Best two out of three falls? <laughs> so the episode ends with them about to uh, duke it out. So what yep. do you think? Uh, you, you did leave something out. Uh, I, a big I know what part it, of I, the plot. Uh-huh. Uh, Nightwing! Hello! Ooh, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh. I, knew, I knew exactly what you were going to say. <laughs> I left that out so you could say it. I remember the first time I saw this one, I want to say it was actually when it aired. Yeah, I marked the fuck out. I mean, when I saw that they were entering Bloodhaven, I was like, no, are they actually going to show Nightwing? And then when when you get that little shot of him on the bridge... Silhouette. Yeah, and because at first you're like, is that a gargoyle? It looks like a guy, but it could maybe be Batman. Then he turns, and you can see the flowing hair, and you can see a little hint of blue for the mask. Uh, I think you can see a little hint of blue. 
Um, I, I just freaked out when I saw that. And I was sad that we didn't get him in the episode um, or him properly in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. But at least the producers did have the love and respect for the character to sneak Nightwing in one more time for us fans. That's, that's what they had to do because of the fucking bad embargo. Yeah, yeah. That was a nice way to get around it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, no, you know, all Nightwing fanboyism aside, um, this one's okay for what it is. I mean, just a fight episode that pretty much wraps up the whole Black Canary Huntress feud. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and there's, you know, they even touch very briefly on the Shaira Vixen feud. Um, it's, there's not a lot of it there. This is more about Black Canary and Huntress. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an okay fight episode. Um, they, they, they did a decent job with it. I like the fact that we get to see, uh, Roulette is actually a good fighter herself. Mm -hmm. Um, pulling out her, the little, uh, whatever those things are in her hair, using them as weapons. Um, you know, actually, who does she fight? She goes up against uh, Huntress. Uh, Huntress, right? Yeah. Um, seeing that she can hold her own against Huntress tells you what a good fighter that woman really is. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that, that's kind of my initial thoughts. What about yours? Um, Copy-paste. <laughs> this, <laughs> this episode is fun to watch. It's definitely yeah. good for background noise if you're, you know, you're doing whatever you know, in your room. Like, yeah, I write a lot, so <laughs> this, mm. this is one I can keep in the background. Like, I hear random punch, kick... You know, hand chopped to the throat, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I I will remember this episode for may, not even the fights, but for one moment. So, what are you wearing? <laughs> blue fedora or fedora? Blue overcoat. <laughs> you suck at this. <laughs> Huntress tries phone sex. Well, you forgot the best part. Orange socks. <laughs> And she just hangs up on him. Yeah, I know. She's like, oh my god, I'm dating a loser. <laughs> Boy, the that sex is... must be really good. The yeah, actual something. sex. Yeah, something. I don't know. I don't... She has a thing for guys with no faces, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, that is... I'm Again, watching this one the first time, I, I lost my shit at that. That was so funny. <laughs> um, while we're talking about those two, we should bring up um, their status in the Justice League. Because um, remember, this came up during the emails. Yes. And uh, this episode definitively states that she is no longer in the League. She has not been asked back. She even says, I like working on my own or solo or something like that. Mm -hmm. But we know she's working with Vic, with the question. So I do think that the question has either been kicked out for his actions, for his attempted murder of Lex Luthor, or he himself has quit the League. And uh, they're just working together freelance. Um, th that line of hers, you know, about working on her own or whatever it is, really makes me think that um, the question is no longer in the League. I agree. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, you know, showing him during the big bad battle at the end... Of, of Justice League Unlimited, you know, of course, any superhero is gonna is gonna pick up uh, their 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 mask and their weapons and and go try to save the Earth, whether they're part of the League or not. Um, so that really doesn't answer if uh, the question is still in the League. Yeah. You know, the, the, you know what was that episode? Destroyer, right? 
Yep. Or alive. I'm sorry, I was oh, going to mix that. No, that was, that was Destroyer. Destroyer. Yeah, just because we see him, you know, doing his thing over there doesn't mean he's still in the league, so. I love yeah. how, and I love how in that episode, uh, Question's weapon of choice is his Edsel or GTO or whatever he's driving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love, like, once Wonder Woman shows up and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, Somebody's like, anybody got a plan? And Shire's like, try not to die. And then Huntress is like, anybody got a good plan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love how she just shoots an arrow at Wonder Woman. Like, that's going to do anything. Yeah, I know. She's got to try, though, you know. Um, but, again, speaking about the Huntress and her arrows, I love that moment at the end where uh, she's got her little crossbow pointed at, uh, what'd you say his name again? Was Sonar? Sonar, yeah. Sonar. And she says, uh, do I kill the signal or you? It's like, oh, man. I mean, she flat out says she's going to kill this guy. Um, and you're right. She will do it. The Huntress, I mean, we saw her try to kill... Uh, What's his face? Andragora. Yes, thank you. I wasn't going to try to pronounce that. Um, <laughs> I didn't want any bigger on the inside flashbacks there. Um, yeah, you, you absolutely know she's going to do it. Um, you know, th- that said, while we're talking about Sonar, or whatever the hell his name is, um, I always kind of wish that it was actually Count Vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that would have been awesome. I know. Every time I see him, I'm like, is this like Count Vertigo? No, it's not. It's a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what happened to that guy? Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Coach> Vertigo. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of anything else to say about this one. You know, um, there might not be because this is not a deep episode in the slightest. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just punch, kick, punch, kick, show an ass, show some tits. I mean, that's all this one is. Is is all about girl fights? They set it up in the beginning when when he, what's his face wants to call it Chickapalooza. You know. <laughs> And I just, I love that Luther doesn't say a word to him. He just kind of gives him the people's eyebrow. Yeah, like, Luther's like, I'm going to kill you in your sleep. You know? You fucking moron. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, only la- the only thing I have left to say about this one is, like, well, two things, really. It's interesting that I think this is the only time we see the Huntress without her mask. It is. Um, and along those same lines, where did she get that dress? Yeah, that that ranks right up there with the uh, Richie hiding his entire uniform uh, in that backpack during uh, Toys in the Hood. <sighs> grumble, grumble. But, uh, I mean, you could maybe say she had it in her micro, micro, microwave. What? In her <laughs> motorcycle. What? what the fuck was that? Um, but, no, yeah, in, in, in her motorcycle. But she's already in the elevator. She's away from her motorcycle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So where, where did she really have that dress? And, and those little pouches on her utility belt? Uh, did she steal it from someone? I, I don't know. I mean, you're not supposed to think about it, but I do. <laughs> I wonder these things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and actually, looking at my notes, I do have one more thing to say about this, uh, this one. More about the Justice League Unlimited as a whole. They really have a thing for Vixen, I think. Every chance they have, they put her in a position to show off her ass or her crotch. Mm-hmm. Every chance they get. And I don't know who on their staff has a hard-on for that character, but someone clearly does. And I'm not even mentioning her cleavage because her outfit is just 
designed to show her cleavage, you know? Um, but really, really go back and look at her episodes. You can always see her crotch and her ass in, in very obvious positions. This stinks, Brainy. I hate running from a fight. They'll never think to look for us here. That gives us a chance to mount a counterattack. Attack how? There's only the two of us left. Yes, I've been giving that problem some thought. Oh no. I know you're a level 12 mega genius, but you are seriously out of your mind. There's no other option. All of our teammates have been captured. To save them, we'll have to break the laws of time and recruit heroes from the past. But messing with history? That's risky, even for us. Incomplete records from the 21st century show that three members of the legendary Justice League once came to the future. My research indicates now is that time. I did my homework too, Brainy. The histories say three heroes came to the future, but only two of them ever made it home. Next up is Far From Home. In this one, the Legion of Superheroes, they, uh, they, they're having some trouble uh, in the 30th or 31st century, one of the two. And, uh, you know, they're like, well, we have to use this time machine to bring a couple heroes from the past to the future to save uh, the universe, basically. And uh, Bouncing Boy tells Brainiac 5, it is Brainiac 5, right? Correct. Yeah. That, yeah, but history says that of the three heroes we bring to the future, only two go back. One of them is going to die. And Brainiac's like, look, we have to do this. I'm sorry. Uh, Meanwhile, in the present day... Um, it is Supergirl's, it is Kara's 21st birthday. So, does that tell us, how old was she when she landed? Like, 16? So, has five years passed since then? Um, For some reason, know, I thought she was 16 when she landed. I think, yeah, 16 is probably what it was. I don't remember. Okay, well, regardless, it is her 21st birthday, and, uh, she's in a simulation, like in a holodeck, with, uh, Green Lantern. And he's, uh, you know, he's, he's training her. And uh, when it when it's all said and done, uh, she's like, "Okay, what notes are you gonna give me? What, how are you gonna criticize me?" He's like, "I've I can't." He's he's like, "You're I, I've taught you everything I can, and you're the best hero you you can be right now. You're you're, you're great. Uh, happy birthday, kid. You know." And she's all happy. Um, and then uh, later on, we see Green Arrow talking to Superman, and he's like, "You know, what's your problem, man? You 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 treat her like any other superhero. You don't treat her like your cousin." And he's like, oh, well, you know, I didn't want her to enter the family business, and, you know, I don't want her to be super, just Superman's cousin. He's being all stuffy and dickish in a weird way about it. Um, so, you know, they never really get at the heart of, at least I feel, why uh, uh, he he doesn't really embrace her. Um, but regardless, uh, so Green Arrow enters the holodeck uh, to go talk to Green Lantern and Supergirl, and that's when they're all transported to the future. Uh, Brainiac and Bouncing Boy, they explain to the trio uh, why they've been brought to the future. And, uh, you know, they're like, okay, let's go save the universe again. And in the meantime, uh, do you know the name of this villainess? I can never remember her name. Uh, I just know she's the green chick with the eye. Yeah, Emerald Empress or something like that. Is that it? Okay. She shows up with some dude with an axe whose name I also can't remember. And uh, she, she puts this little device on all of their heads except Brainiac and Supergirl and Green Arrow are able to get away, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're able to get away, but uh, Green Lantern and 
bouncing boy are taken away. And um, what do you call it? Uh, the the heroes the the heroes that aren't affected by this little mind controlled device um, they they say look we have to uh, track them down uh, we think you know they figure out where they're heading they're heading to like what the center of like the intergalactic government or something and uh, we also find out that the rest of the legion of superheroes they've also got those little discs on their head so they too are being controlled. And now that they have the power of Green Lantern, they can really wreak some havoc and potentially uh, stage a coup. So uh, they also reveal to Supergirl that you know she's she's probably going to die in this battle, and she's like, "I don't care. I have to save the universe. I absolutely have to." So she goes out and uh, you know battles all these guys, including Green Lantern. And at one point, it looks like she dies, but she doesn't. Um, she, she actually is alive. They're able to stop the bad guys. And at the end of the day, Green Lantern and Green Arrow, they're ready to go home. And Supergirl's like, no, I'm going to stay behind because something I didn't say was throughout this whole episode, they were teasing a relationship between Brainiac 5 and Supergirl. And she's like, look, I want to stay here. And it's not just because she's found a boy and she's all wet in the panties for him. It's also because something they said earlier. When Green Arrow was talking to Superman, he says, you got to understand, Superman, that you came here as an infant. You only know Earth culture. He's like, she grew up on her home planet into her teenage years. She knows advanced technology. She's like, this is the... St or Green Arrow's like, this is the Stone Age to her, man. Well, we see in the future, she is right at home. She knows the technology. She gets it. Um, she, she's almost as... It appears like she's almost as smart as Brainiac uh, uh, in, in, uh, in that future. So because she's fallen for him, because she fits in, she decides to stay behind. And uh, the, uh, the, the, the Green Arrow and uh, Green Lanterns, uh, they go home. They tell Superman, or they give him this little box uh, with this uh, hollow message from Kara saying, I love you, but this is where I want to be. And he's sad, but he understands. And uh, he looks at his two comrades and he says, okay, so this boy she's falling for, falling for, tell me his name. And they look at each other like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so what do you think of Far From Home? Um, I, I, I really don't even know what to think of this one. It's not a favorite, but... I, it's a solid. It's a very solid story, mm -hmm. and I, I realize that it, it's a, a quality episode. It's just not one I choose to watch, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it has some great lines, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, I, th I think it was great that they had uh, a an homage to the Crisis on Infinite Earths comic book cover where Supergirl is killed. Yep, I think that's issue seven off the top of my head, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, seven yeah. or eight. Yeah. That that was, I that's you know it's an iconic image. Yeah, in DC yeah. Comics history. So yeah. that and instead of you know instead of Superman holding it, it's green uh, holding her, it's Green Lantern. But still, right. uh, yeah, that that was awesome. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I like what they were doing with Supergirl here. I really do. Um, she, I like how Green Arrow understands her, and because they've been kind of showing an often, often on like. Uh, friendship between Arrow and Supergirl throughout the this season, this yeah. final season. Yeah. And it really comes to a head here because Arrow understands her, it seems like, better than anybody in the league. And he fully further shows that here. What were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, like you, I just don't have a lot of notes for this one. Um you know, I understand 
that again they're continuing the tour of the DC universe that they're bringing in the Legion of Superheroes but I'm not necessarily a fan of these characters so the the, the coolness factor that they were going for or the geek out factor I should say is kind of lost on me um and then they they really only show two members of the Legion that being Brainy and Bouncing Boy you know, it's like if you're going to do this tour of the DC universe, even the future of it, let's see more of these characters. Let's see Saturn Girl and who else is there? Timber Wolf. Chameleon Boy? Uh, yeah, Chameleon or Chameleon Boy or something like that. You know, uh, let, let's see all of these people and not just have them be flying around controlled by the chick with the eye and the green outfit, you know? Um... I mean, I, 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 and I, you know, I do like the fact that they used it as a way to write out Supergirl. Um, they didn't need to write her out, but they wrote her out. Okay, that's cool, and this this was a good place to leave her, and it makes sense because you know, in old school DC comics, Superboy, young Clark Kent, did uh, uh, f- uh, superhero with the Legion for a while. He he was off in the future fighting with them, and well, they weren't going to use Superboy here, so they used Supergirl. Okay, that that's fine. That's cool. I get what they were going for. But again, I, I don't really know these characters. I'm not invested in them, so I just I just, again, it's just lost on me, this episode. And I think that's why this is going to be a hard one for me to grade. Um, right there with you. I think people who are Legion fans are going to be like, yeah, this is great. Where I'm like, you know, yeah, it's good, but not great for me. You know, this this is definitely one that's all these episodes honestly are subjective. You know, yep. mm-hmm. um you know some there may be a great comedy episode that just falls flat on people. But this is an episode that I think is truly subjective because this is a corner of the DC universe that doesn't get used a whole heck of a lot and it's kind of been abused over the years if you want the truth. The Legion is so confusing. It has so many different reboots and continuities. It's harder to keep track of than the X-Men, I would say. <laughs> um so you know, again, unless you're a hardcore fan, you're just you're just not going to get this one. And so yeah, I keep repeating myself. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. It just lost on me. Well, I would actually pose a question to those fans of the Legion who would like this episode because, again, we only saw two of the le- of the of the Legion. This this just smacks of an episode that should have been a two parter. Yep. Where we can get like at least three or four more like Saturn Girl or whoever, right? and develop them so we can really, and then really get that great, iconic, you know, comic book homage, at, uh, cover homage at the um, at the end of the second episode, because this thing was rushed through like crazy. Uh, you know, the, the relationship between uh, Supergirl and Brainiac, it's, it's like, she shows up and she's like, oh, he's cute, I'm copping a feel. And which she actually says, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then Brainiac's like, "Oh my God, you're right. I'm sweating. My heart's racing. I am in love with her." And it's like, you've said ten words to her, you know. Um, James, I know you're not a Doctor Who fan, but Dan and I we just spoke about um, an episode of uh, Doctor Who called, oh, what the hell was it? The Invasion of Time, in which the Doctor's companion Leela falls in love with. Uh, another Time Lord, or not even a Time Lord, just a guard on Gallifrey, um, and and stays behind. And throughout the six-part story, she had spent maybe ten minutes with the guy. But all of a sudden, she's in love with him. And there's, you know, they they do more here in this one episode fleshing it out than they did in those six episodes of Doctor Who. But all the same, it is somewhat similar. 
and annoying on both accounts. We did need a second episode here to uh, uh, better understand the relationship. Uh, I mean, it's it's exactly like in that God, that hideous M. Night Shyamalan, The Last Airbender movie, where they just the Sokka Princess Yue relationship is given literally, literally like twenty seconds. No, really? Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, I, I don't know if you've noticed over at the forums. Yeah, you did notice. Oh yeah, I've been following your your uh, watching of the entire series. I'm proud right. of you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just finished up the first season. Um, in fact, there was one more email we did get that we didn't read on the air because, um, like, the second paragraph, it started talking about Avatar and it started talking about something that happens at the very end of the show. And I was like, no, 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 you know, yeah. danger, Will Robinson, danger. So Spoil- I was like, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, that one's just not going to be read on the air because I, 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 I no, I don't want any freaking spoilers about it. <laughs> Even if there was a way to tie it back into uh, what we're doing here on WFP, which I think is what the email was getting at, I was like, no, I don't want anything to do with it. But one of my favorite parts of that first season is what happens in like those last three episodes between Sokka and would you say her name was? Princess Yue? Yes. Okay, I, I'm having a hard time remembering... A lot of the characters' well, names. There's a lot of characters in yeah. this show. Yeah. So, so I just, hard. over at the forums, when I was writing up my little reviews, I was just calling her a princess. Um, so please pardon that. But man, I mean, they devote so much time to that relationship, and you do fall in love with those characters. I mean, it just starts out as, you know, a, you know, a, a, a very just sexual attraction between the two, and then it becomes something much more. And, uh, you know, it's you know, without saying too much, I don't want to spoiler spoil it for people. Yeah, you trust me, you are gonna get invested in that. So to hear that they only spent twenty or thirty seconds of it on on, on the screen in, in the adaptation pisses me off. Uh, tell it me really about does. it. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you, that movie is near the top of my Netflix queue because when I finish the cartoons the next two seasons, there's only three seasons, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do plan on renting the movie just to get pissed off. <laughs> oh, you'll get pissed off. See, yeah. okay, uh, I am going to pull back the curtain a little bit here. We have the Tranquil Tirades third episode coming up this Friday. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, we reviewed a movie that offended Damien on such an intense level that he almost cried. During oh, our... no. Oh. <laughs> I'm not joking. And... If we had reviewed The Last Airbender, that would have been me. Oh. I'm not joking. That The Last Airbender offended me on such a personal level. I wanted to – I really wanted to hurt M. Night Shyamalan. I mean hurt him. Didn't you do a written uh, tirades for that? Yeah, I did. I did. I just – I really needed to let my feelings be known then and there. I didn't want to wait. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um it's, Massive it's, tangent aside. Or yeah, I, I know. We're, we're sitting here talking about Avatar, which tells you something about this episode. Again, you know, I, I don't think either of us hated this one. I, I think we both clearly liked it. Oh. There's just really not a lot to say about it. And again, that's really sad because of, you know, they really could have pleased the Legion of Superhero fans here. And I, I think on some level they did by showing them. But I got to tell you, if I was a Legion of Superheroes fan, I would be sad that they didn't do enough with them. Uh, there's also a continuity flub here because oh. if you go back to Superman the Animated Series, remember the episode of New Kids in Town where the the three Legionnaires come back in time to save uh, young Clark Kent from Brainiac? 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was. I, that was something I wanted to ask. I didn't think this was the first time we saw the Legion. Yeah, yeah. That they they point blank say the year that they come from was twenty nine seventy nine. Okay, that's not the thirty first century. Yeah, and that's these, true. I, these people. So, are they serious of saying that these people are like twenty two years older? Yeah, than no. they were in that episode. There's just no fucking way. No, I mean you could maybe say Brainiac still looks kind of young because you know he's. Brainiac, or a Brainiac, but Bouncing Boy looks like he's, what, 20? Early 20s? There's no way, you're right, he's aged 20 plus years. <laughs> Good catch unless, there. Good unless catch. it's like with, um, uh, what is it, the Once in Future thing, where 65 is the new 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It can't be true. No, of course not. Bashari would never betray your friendship in such a manner, and the Queen's trustworthiness is, of course, beyond reproach. Then why pester me with idle gossip? It's just that these ugly rumors undermine your authority. And I must admit, no, I speak out of turn. You speak when I command it, Hathset. They spend a great deal of time together. They give the appearance of impropriety. I trust Bashari with my life, and Shaira is my life. I'll hear no more of this nonsense, Hathset. Leave me, now! As you say, my liege. And lastly, today's ancient history. This one opens up with Green Lantern trying to capture the gentleman ghost, but he eludes him until Hawkman makes his return and traps him in an nth metal net. Uh, net. Ugh. <laughs> nth metal net. Okay. Uh, Hawk, Hawkman has a very awkward and brief conversation with Green Lantern, and he leaves. Uh, so Lantern takes the ghost away, and then we see Shadow Thief is watching him. After the title, Shire and Vixen are in the weight room, and they're talking about their pursuits of Green Lantern. And speak of the devil, he walks in and needs to talk to Shire. He tells, once Vixen leaves, he tells Shire that Hawkman is back and to watch out since he's a stalker creep. And later, the, later in the day, uh, Green Lantern and Vixen are preparing for Vixen's plane ride uh, to Paris uh, when Vixen spots Shadow Thief at Green Lantern's door, and she attacks him. And Green Lantern and Vixen both try to fight him, but Shadow Thief uh, captures GL and takes him away. Vixen then contacts Shaira, and that night they go to the museum where Carter Hall is the curator, and Shadow Thief is there with Green Lantern tied up. So he dispatches Vixen and Shaira pretty easily. Then Hawkman shows up, but he too is beaten. Uh, when they awaken, Hawkman, Shaira, and Green Lantern are all tied up and kneeling in front of the Absorbicron from uh, Shadow of the Shadow of the Hawk episode. Uh, Shadow Thief forces them to all place their hands on it, and it activates and shows the world 8,000 years ago. He explains that two Thanagarian law officers, Katar and Shaira Hall, became stranded on a primitive planet and had no way of returning home, so they used their technology to make their city the greatest on Earth. Over the decades, their empire grew to vast reaches and became a utopia. Uh, we then see Katar's uh, head priest Hathset speaking to him, and Shire walks in and confronts Kadar and uh, tells Hathset to get the hell out, because uh, she needs to talk, and she reiterates that she wants to bear Kadar's child, and Kadar is just like, look, I've got to concentrate on expanding the Empire, and uh, suddenly Kadar's best friend Bashari rides in uh, below on a golden chariot and announces that his uh, conquering of some other kingdom uh being now under the rule of Katar. That's uh that was Black Adams. Uh, yes, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I just uh, yeah. He says Teth Adam and Kondak, uh, 
And Condor, yes, yeah. yeah um, you know, for those of you that don't know, Black Adam, um, I think was supposed to become the Captain Marvel years before Captain Marvel did, but he got corrupted by the power or something or other. Um, and this is him. He's literally thousands of years old. So it was like, we don't see Teth Adam. We don't see Black Adam, but it was a great way again, to give a little nod to another corner of the DC universe. Uh, Bashari also says that they sent a hundred of his finest stallions as a tribute so Shire and Katar have uh, flown down and are talking to him, and Shire's like, we, f- we fly. What good are horses? And Bashari says, well, I'll show you. So we see Bashari and Shire uh, riding horses all throughout the kingdom and having a very good time of it. And eventually they make their way to some oasis out in the desert where they get much, much closer to each other. <laughs> they start looking deep into each other's eyes, and they start kissing. And it's pretty obvious that they have sex there too mm-hmm. uh unfortunately for them hoth said is spying on them and i feel it's my duty to note that he leaves before the sex begins yeah uh just saying and okay i, I gotta jump in here how the hell did he get there good question like he, you can't say he would have known that that's where they were going okay yeah maybe he saw them riding out of town and he's like oh they must be going to that oasis okay but how did they not see him get to that oasis before them he, he was he just hanging out at the oasis himself, and they just happened to show up there. I mean, he's just there, standing in the shrubs, like, hmm. You know, like I, I do not get what was going on there. How they could not have seen him, or how he got there, or any of that. That really, I'm not gonna say it brings a point down, brings it a point down, but it, I always do scratch my head at that. Yeah. So Hothset goes to Katar, but he doesn't point blank say what he saw because he knows Katar would probably eviscerate him there on the spot. Yeah. So instead, he says that there have been rumors spreading around the kingdom of their illicit affair. And Katar says, my wife and my best friend would never betray me. Now get the fuck out of my sight. So, But Katar now has the seeds of doubt planted in his mind as uh, he just looks over to his queen's empty throne. And so that night we see Bashari and Shaira for some reason walking through the palace grounds and they start kissing again and they probably fuck there too yeah um unfortunately their carelessness got the best of them because katar sees them now he doesn't yell uh he just simply crunches a piece of stone between his hands and he just says to himself i wish they were dead so he walks away and hothset who was watching katar's you know, he's upset. So that night, a chambermaid walks into Shire's room, and she runs out screaming and bumps into Katar, who demands to know what's going on. So he runs into the room, and he sees his wife and Bashari both dead on the bed. Uh, Katar holds his beloved in his arms, and he grabs the wine goblet and smells it. It was poisoned. So Hothset appears and says, just as you wished, my leash. And Katar is just aghast, and he tells Hothset to get out. Uh, so Katar grabs the goblet and drinks from it, killing himself, but holding his dead wife's hand, which is how they were entombed in the sarcophagus that Carter found years ago. So, Ed, we're going back, we go back into the present, and Shadow Thief allows them to release the, their grip of the Absorbicron. Uh, Shaira says, he says to Shadow Thief, you're Hothset, you're the one who poisoned us, and Shadow Thief says, au contraire, I think Hawkman knows who I am. I am your deepest, darkest thoughts and desires. When you touched the Absorbicron in Egypt all those months ago, you released me to fulfill your fantasies. You wanted the secrets of the 
Thanagarian technology, I got them for you. I'm the arch-villain for you to fight that always allows you to be looked upon as a hero. You want a Shaira back worse than anything, and I give her to you. And finally, I also bring you the Green Lantern, who is all that stands in your way of being reunited with your love. I am your, basically, id persona. And Shadow Thief releases Carter's restraints and uh, tells him to kill John and reclaim Shaira as his own. Carter actually looks as though he's going to kill him, but instead he slices uh, John and Shira's restraints, and they attack Shadow Thief. Uh, the Shadow Thief breaks Green Lantern's arm. Yeah. And, yeah, it was pretty gruesome. Uh, and he attacks Shira, calling her a harlot uh, for tending to Green Lantern's injury. And Hawkman finally realizes the only way to beat Shadow Thief is to accept that he's part of him and just bring him back into his mind. So... He melds back with his with the id persona, and Shira's is like, are, you know, are you okay? And Carter says, look, I owe you a, an apology, Shira. And she's like, no, it's not the time. And Carter says, no, it never was, and I have to accept that. And I think we know how the story is supposed to end. So Carter leaves. We go back to the Metro Tower, and Vixen is in intensive care, still in a coma. Uh, John finally relents and tells Shaira that when he and Batman went to the future, they met Warhawk, their, uh, John and Shaira's son. And Shaira is overjoyed to hear this news, but John says, look, I'm not going to be Destiny's puppet. Whatever happens, we'll make those choices on our own free will. Though he still has feelings for Shaira, he's staying with Vixen. Shaira is noticeably furious, and she walks away. However, the last thing we see is Batman alone in a room working on a computer, and Shire walks in, just sits down silently, and just says, tell me about my son. You want a dark episode? I give you ancient history. Yeah, I mean, we see, yeah. technically speaking, we see Hawkgirl dead. Technically speaking, we see Jon Stewart dead. Technically speaking, we see Hawkman kill himself. I mean, we have Green Lantern flat out telling Shaira, look, this is the future. This will probably happen. But for the time being, look... I don't want to be with you. I want to be with this woman. I mean, hearts are getting broken. People are dying. Affairs are happening. I mean, this is probably one of the most mature episodes they've done in a long time. I mean, maybe even since Batman the Animated Series. And when I say mature, I don't mean just, oh, oh like, they've been. there's been mature episodes in terms of, like, violence or little bits that were mature. But seriously, what was the last mature episode we had? The, I mean, in my mind, what I'm remembering is the one with uh, it dealt with drugs from Batman the Animated Series. Um, wasn't there like a mobster whose son was on drugs or something? Well, there was that one. There was well, there was the one. Was it See No Evil, where the guy got the Inviso suit and was oh, very yeah. clearly molesting his daughter? Yeah, there was definitely that. But I mean, where they were flat out saying what was going on. And I really think we have to go back to maybe the Clayface episode with Annie. Yeah. Because, you know, she was a separate creature. She was alive, and Clayface reabsorbed her, killed her. Um, but I really think it has to go back to... Th I know there's one with... What was his name? Daggett? Roland Daggett? Not Daggett. One well, of the mobsters... The one. one of the mobsters was dealing with a drug-addicted son or something, I think. And wasn't his brother uh, a priest? Yeah, yeah. That I know one. which episode you're talking about. I just don't know the title of it. Yeah, and I don't have the spread. Let me see if I can open the spreadsheet real quick. Um, but I, I honestly don't remember uh, a mature episode. A mature episode that's been that mature since then. 
I mean, uh, do you? I, I'm racking my brain. I really am. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of like Batman Beyond episodes because there, there were some pretty mature Batman Beyond episodes. Yeah, too. there was. That is true. Um, but at the at the moment, I just can't remember one of them. It's never too late. Was that it? That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and again, definitely there were mature things going on, but I'm talking from start to finish and flat out laying, you know, laying it on the line saying, this is what this is about. We are talking about drugs or we were talking about an affair and suicide and death and fate and all these things, you know, yeah. uh, please anybody out there write in and say, no, you forgot this episode or you forgot that. Cause I, I would love to continue the discussion of this down the line. But anyways, anyways, getting away from that, uh, what are you thinking about this one? This is one of my favorite JLU episodes. Okay. I love this episode so very much for pretty much everything we just talked about, just how mature it is. Just the When you see the very, the very first camera pan in that room when Katar uh, uh, Hall runs into the room, you're meant to believe that that's blood dripping from yeah. the bed sheets. But then they... They pan up and it's just a wine goblet, but they're still dead. They're still fucking dead as uh, dead as dirt. And I I love the reveal that that Shadow Thief wasn't the obvious guy. It wasn't Hothset, it, and then it was uh, it was uh, Hawkman's id persona. That that was so cool. I'm interested to know if that's how it is in the comics too, because over at Marvel there's a character called the Sentry, who's very much that same thing. Um, and I want to know if Marvel ripped off something from DC or if the DCAU took something from Marvel. Um, again, I'm calling on our listeners, more specifically Tom DJ, um, <laughs> to, 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 to call in or write in and, and, and let us know that stuff. Um, I want to say that the Shadow Thief was um, just a, a criminal who conducted experiments on himself. But that might have been like pre-crisis. I don't see. Remember. But here's the thing: the Hawkman, Hawk Girl origins, their mythology has been rewritten so many times. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievably confusing. So it wouldn't surprise me if, in one take on their origin, he was just a dude who experimented on himself. In another take, he was Jesus reanimated in Hitler's body who then died and became this, you know what I mean? If they just did some crazy wacky shit with it until it became something like this, because Jeff Johns wrote this episode and he loves himself some continuity. Um, he really does love bringing things back, touching upon them and, and working them into modern comics. So I do have to believe that he was pulling from something here. I could be wrong, but that's why I want someone to write in and let me know. Yeah. Uh, now, I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about the first episode about the vocal inflections, how Eiling's voice never... Oh, yeah. You, you mentioned how Eiling's voice never changed. When Carter, you know, absorbs the Shadow Thief back into his psyche, uh, James Remar, the guy who did his voice, uh, his voice gets slightly deeper and, and, and a little more kind of menacing when he uh, when he, he's whole again, I guess for lack of a better phrase. Uh, it was it was nice. It was very subtle, and it was well acted. And 
I'm not a James Remar fan because I believe he played Shao Kahn in the horrid Mortal Kombat animation uh, Annihilation movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they do address something. They absolutely do address something that we've wondered about. Uh, specifically, okay, remember we've said when do Green Lantern and Shaira get together and have Warhawk? And I think someone wrote in Pardon, pardon if it was you that actually said this, James, but I think it was someone that wrote in, or maybe it was said at the forums, had said, we don't know how old Thanagarian women can be and still have children. They address that here. When, um, when we're in the flashback and the two Hawk people are talking to each other, um, she says she has another 30 or 40 years at most to uh, get pregnant and give birth. And she's supposed to be like, what, maybe the same age as Hawk Girl. So we're talking probably 30, 35, right? Yeah. So if you tack on another 30 or 40 years, she's getting to be 65, 70 years old. So that definitely answers the question that we had. How old can Hawk Girl be to have Warhawk? So she could get pregnant a day after Justice League Unlimited ends, or she can get pregnant 20 years later. We don't know. We don't know. But I like the fact that they casually dropped that in here. And I think they did that because I bet fans were asking, wait a minute, what about the time difference between the two eras? You know, and Warhawk's age and all this and that. Good on them for putting that in there. Yep. And while I'm, while I'm on that topic, I would like to mention that, you know, when uh, GL mans up and tells her about Warhawk, that's a really emotional scene. Um, as you said, because she's like, no, that means we're supposed to be together. Don't you get it? You know, you know, and she's like, she's like, I still love you. Don't tell me you don't. He's like, I will never say that to you that I don't love you, you know? And you're like, oh, okay. And then he's like, but I'm going to choose to be with Vixen right now because I don't want fate to tell me what to do. And you do start to feel her anger and, um, or the way her heart's breaking. And then when she sits down with Batman and just says, tell me about my son. Oh my God. It just rips your heart out. That, I love that ending mm-hmm. where she just she doesn't say a word when she sits down until she's just like, tell me about my son. Because she, she got to think that she may never see this person. Right. Mm. She's she's really worried. Yeah. Way to go, John. <laughs> yeah. Getting away from that, there's there's one line I want to mention. Mm-hmm. It's from earlier in the episode when uh, Green Lantern is fighting a gentleman ghost and he says next time green lantern i'll do you proper (laughs) (laughs) i just love that take on next time i'll get you gadget type thing you know yeah well i mean gentleman ghost was from like what the 1870s or 80s something yeah (laughs) um what else do you have about this one i mean i've sort of been going off i've kind of said my piece i don't have the only really i guess the only real problem i have with this one is just how John acts towards Shire at the end of the episode, but I mean, other than that, I think this is a fantastic episode. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really do. I do like this one. I, I think it's a lot stronger than the previous one where they address this too. Yeah. Um, which one was that? I'm trying to look at the Shadow Shadow, Shadow of the Hawk. Ooh, wait a minute, hang on. Yeah, I'm looking at our scores for that right now, and I can tell you right now, my score for this one will be higher for my than my score for that one. Yeah. Um, speaking of scores, should we get to them? I'm cool with that. Okay, let's see. What do you give Patriot Act? I give that a six. Uh, that's getting a five from me. 
uh, the Great Brain Robbery. <laughs> I'm I'm giving it a nine. Mm-hmm. I I kind of want to give it a ten, but I'm going to stick with the <laughs> nine for now. Yeah, didn't I say if this one might not get a ten from me? Why did I say that? I thought they the said Luthor, if this one Luthor knowing how to use his powers. That's it. Yep, that was it, and that is that's exactly why it's getting a nine from me. Grudge match. Um, I give that a six. You know what, this one's going to get a 7 for me, because, again, I really do think it's a solid fight episode. And like I said, it ties up some loose ends. We get to see Question again. Um, so, yeah, that's going to get a 7. Far From Home. Uh, also getting a 6. Yeah, I initially wrote down a 7 for that one, but that is a 6. And Ancient History. 9. Wow. Um, I initially wrote down a 7, but I'm pumping that up to an 8. Which I believe is what I gave Shadow of the Hawk. I think I gave that one an 8. Yes, you did. And I gave Shadow of the Hawk a 6. So this one, I th- again, it's two points better for me. <clears throat> what? You gonna wash your hands? No. Because I'm evil. Feedback in the form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. And remember, if you want to start getting in your episode 100 feedback, start sending it in now. And in the subject line, note that it's to be read during episode 100. Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. earth-2.net slash store. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss the remaining three episodes of Justice League Unlimited and the DC Animated Universe. Those being Alive, Destroyer, and Epilogue. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sim saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 